Welcome to Game Face, episode 199 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. We are one episode away from the legendary episode 200, but I think we're going to have a half step next week. Uh, 199.5 or something of that equivalent. Um, Matt is out next week, and we're working on getting a special guest to come in for next week's episode, so you don't want to miss it. Um, but the big 200, which is a big turning point for the site, that's when Sifted 2.0 launches. That is not going to happen until two Tuesdays from today. So get excited for that. Get excited for next week, too. We should have a good uh, co-host here sitting with me. Um, Something that was related to Sifted 2.0 actually launched today. And I want to bring it up right off the top of the show um, because some people on YouTube will watch this episode and they'll hear the intro and then they'll skim through the rest of the episode. Um, one of the things that we are doing with Sifted 2.0 is Pactor Factor is now going to be available seven days early to our Twitch Prime subscribers. So, and people, oh, here comes the hype train. It's getting started already. Mm. Um, so if you subscribe via Twitch Prime, and a lot of people on YouTube do, um, you can now get Pactor Factor seven days early on our Twitch page. So twitch.tv slash sifted games. If you're a subscriber via Twitch Prime, the new Pactor Factor, which just went up today, is live right now on our Twitch page. But again, you have to be a subscriber. Um, this is a big shift for us, but something that we wanted to do to encourage people to use Twitch Prime more. Uh, I think people are more apt to give us a couple bucks if it doesn't cost them anything than to go to our Patreon and actually pledge that $2. So uh, this is a big change for us for Sifted 2.0. We do want to reward the people who have been helping us out via Twitch Prime and maybe can't afford to help us uh, via Patreon or any other way. Um, so Pactor Factor from today forward is live day and date on Sifted.net, on our Patreon, and now also at twitch.tv slash Sifted Games. And if you're on YouTube watching this, you're like, how do I subscribe via Twitch Prime? Just go down into the description. Like always, there's a description that explains how it all works. If you've already connected your accounts on Twitch, you literally just have to click one link and then click a button on our page and you will have access to Pactor Factor seven days earlier than you will be getting it on YouTube for those who don't subscribe via Twitch Prime or are not patrons. So a big shift. I hope it makes a difference for us. Hopefully it gets more people to help us via Twitch Prime. Again, it's free, and I think it's easier to get people to do something that doesn't cost them anything than something that does. So <laughs> hopefully that all works out. Uh, things are still slow as all get out in the gaming industry right now, Matt. It's just insane. I got review code for Dreams today. Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't got to play it yet because it came in as I was getting ready and doing pre-production for this episode. And really, like, that that's a hard one to play early. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. of the nature of You need, like, other people there. Now, because it's been in a beta for so mm -hmm. long, there's a lot, there's a of, lot con of content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm really excited to check it out. Like, once I get home yeah. and I start... I have the early one. access version. I, I got back when that went went up, but uh, I haven't looked at it in a long time. I think if you paid for the early access version, which I'm assuming yeah, they it, considered that you did. Yeah, it converts to the full version. Yeah, so if you've been playing the early access version, uh, when it goes live on Friday, February 14th, Valentine's Day, uh, you'll get the game for free. Well, you paid for it before, but you don't yeah. have to pay extra to get the complete version. I think version it was cheaper. Yeah. Then the full version will be. Yeah, so it was incentivizing you to get in so that when people like me show up mm -hmm. on launch day, there's a bunch of stuff in there for us to check out. So Dreams will be on the show next week. But this week, not a ton of games to talk about, but tons of topics. In fact, we have 
12 topics in today's show. So lots of little things, nothing major, but I think it's going to be a really fun show and it's going to be a good show. Um, I'm here with Matt Kyle. You can find Matt on Twitter at mkyle, M-K-E-I-L. You can find me on Twitter at dinfire. Uh, and if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, you can help us out at our Patreon at patreon.com slash sifted. That's S-I-F-T-D, sifted without the E. Uh, so we do have a ton of topics to get through. These mm-hmm. episodes generally, it's as the the host, it's always hard for me to gauge this many topics to get to the finish line. Mm-hmm. Um, we end up what we end up doing is the beginning of the show. Sometimes we'll go really fast, and then I'll realize in the middle, like, oh, we have a lot of time left, and then they start expanding. So it's always interesting when we do, when we do episodes like this. Typically, our show has seven or eight, and we got twelve. So let's just get straight to it. We got a lot to talk about. And speaking of a lot to talk about, Phil Spencer had a lot to talk about this week about Xbox Series X. He went on, I believe it was like the thousandth episode of Gamer Tag Radio. Mm-hmm. And look, I've never listened to that show, and I don't know those guys, but respect. <laughs> if you're at episode 1000 of your show, you're absolutely doing something right. And mm-hmm. I think Phil Spencer recognized that and decided to go on their show, and boy, oh boy, was he chatty? Did you get to check out any of the stuff from this? Uh, I didn't hear any of it, but I saw like, articles about it or like, tweets about what he said. Oh, it, it's insane. First of all, he was on there for a really long time. It's the longest Phil Spencer interview maybe ever. Hmm. He's on a podcast. You can't just show up for like three minutes and right. give your bullet points and get out. Like You have to be a part of the show. So this was a great forum for him to explain a lot of stuff that's going on with Xbox Series X. And probably the most profound quote from the week that has been kind of making the rounds through social media is that Phil said that he does not consider Xbox Series X to be competing with other consoles. He says their competition is Google and Amazon. Mm-hmm. Now, Which is pretty much what I said last week. It's what Pactor has been saying for like a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been saying Amazon and Google are really the competition going forward. Phil Spencer acquiesced to that and agreed and yeah. said that's really kind of who we're targeting to go after. At this point, Sony is the devil they do know, and they'd rather deal with that. I yeah. Think. Google, I mean, I, don't, I, I feel like at this point they're probably relaxing a bit when it comes to Google, but you still don't know what Amazon's going to do next. Yeah, I mean, it, you could look at it as like deflection on Phil's part, like him trying to say, and Nintendo used to do this too, mm-hmm. it would say... They're not really our competition, and they only say that so that you don't compare them to them so you can't see that they're getting their butts kicked. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this could be the same strategy from Phil where he's just trying to say, well, we don't really want to keep compete with PlayStation because we're probably not going to win. So let me pick some opponents that I think we have a shot at beating. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in his opinion, that was Stadia, Google, and Amazon, whatever Amazon ends up doing. Everyone knows at this point Amazon is just a matter of time until it announces its game streaming initiative. Um, So that, to me, was a big deal, that he decided that PlayStation wasn't their big competition anymore, that it was these streaming guys. Uh, I think it shows the emphasis on Xbox Game Pass and services from Mm -hmm. Microsoft going forward, that it has been its focus for a while. I don't want to completely sort of short Phil, because he's been talking about this stuff for a while. And when they stopped giving out sales figures and started giving out, like, subscription numbers for Game Pass and how many subscribers they have to Xbox Live. They've kind of been following this strategy for a while. I just kind of thought that with the new hope of a new platform that maybe they might at least try to engage 
with PlayStation for the first year until you kind of realize that, yeah, that's not going to work out too well in our favor. It might. I mean, they might mm-hmm. win this generation. So I, I think that's a little bit short-sighted, but I also feel like that's Phil just kind of covering his tail. Um, and I'm sure that's the messaging internally as well as, well, we're not really competing with PlayStation. We're competing with these other guys. Um, it could be considered smart. It could be considered sneaky. I think it all depends on your perspective. Um, so about three weeks ago, uh, mm-hmm. real images of Xbox Series X emerged on the internet, and someone had taken photos of the back of the Xbox Series X, and there was a port there that people were confused over. And a lot of people thought maybe it was for debug only, and it was some special port that only the debugs have. Well, no, it's turned out that that port is your, used for extra memory, so for like an external drive. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the question becomes, does that external drive also have to be an SD drive? I would think it would. Yeah. And that external SD drives are really, really pricey. They can be. I mean, you got you, get, you can get a good deal here and there on an SSD. It's, it's like... hard to find. I mean, we look for them when we curate on Sifted. Mm-hmm. And once every, like, four or five months, there's a pretty good deal on them. But yeah, they're usually internal, not external. Yeah. It's just, um, I mean, I think you're just, the, the, the speed at which these systems are going to load and expect to load like you you just can't use 7600 or 7200 anymore um i mean i'm already running into that problem with my external drives on the on the current systems where i could you know the xbox one takes forever to load up all the stuff that's on the external drive so i can i, I, I it think takes you, forever to load up the things that are on the internal drive <laughs> yeah i mean i hope the not uh, for years but my base model does yeah i mean I mean, it still takes a while on, yeah. the, on the on the the x but like um, better, but still too slow to be acceptable, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you have to sit there and watch it populate for a long... I mean, I have like a hundred-something games installed, but like sometimes you just have to sit there and like wait for it all to, lo- to pop in. Doink, doink, yeah. doink, doink. Yeah, I'll show but, it up in uh, sequence. I think that kind of user experience is not going to be acceptable in the next generation, at least yeah. at least in the way that we're, they're going to be pushing it. And you know, certainly showing that like you know, the first thing Sony showed off was how fast Spider-Man loads now. And for the fact that it really doesn't load, yeah. Um, so I think SSD is going to be required unless you're going to be hamstringing the OS. At this point. I don't know if you noticed or not, but in the last couple months, even the PlayStation 4 OS has begotten slow. Mm-hmm. So the PlayStation 4 desktop now, it's not quite as slow as Xbox One, but it's slow. Like compared to how it was at launch, it's at a kind of a crawl now. I don't know why that is. I don't know why it's gotten so much worse over the last couple months, but it has. Uh, there's really bad delay when you go to switch through. I'll just call them blades because that's kind of what we call them after uh, the initial launch of the hmm. Xbox 360. But, yeah, just swapping through this stuff, there's a lag now. On, I haven't seen that. I, and I have a PS4 Pro as well, so it's not like I'm on a base model there. But I've noticed that. I think it's just it's just the way things go. It's like as time goes on, you keep building and building on top, and you're always trying to manage the speed with the functionality. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that the scales got tipped a little a little bit in the wrong direction over here the last couple of months. Maybe they can fix it, mm. but I've I had a lot of problems. I haven't had any issue with that. I mean, I haven't used the, the PS4 that much, yeah. but I haven't noticed anything. I use like it every that. night, so I've, like, really noticed it. Um, I have noticed uh, slowness in the store, like just loading, you know, images, like, yeah. that are just, like, it crawls sometimes, especially around the holiday sale. It was having trouble with that. A lot of people are probably using it. Yeah. It makes sense. But I haven't noticed too much problems switching around. Um, and I, I, I have noticed some slowness in downloading stuff to install to an external drive because I only recently got an external drive for the PS4. Because mm-hmm. um, originally I had a two terabyte. I swapped out the internal hard drive with a two terabyte. 
and that was great, but it was just too full. And yeah. I, I couldn't keep deleting stuff and still keeping keep up, so I got an external, and uh, it works, but it's not... Uh, the PS4 doesn't do that as well as the Xbox, and uh, we we lost power at one point because um, of the storm, a uh, windstorm, like a couple weeks ago. And of course, I forgot. You know, the PS4 was asleep, and I turn it back on. It's like, oh, the disc is is damaged. You have to repair it, and you got to go through all this stuff. Whereas the Xbox, just like, oh, you lost power. Yeah, whatever. We're good. Yeah, you know, it's, it's good. Like, yeah. So, Sony's not quite. I mean, but Microsoft makes OSs, so they are. They do have an advantage there. But, How big uh, do you think the hard drives are going to be on these consoles? Uh, I'm just going to go with not big enough. Right. I mean, they're really expensive. Yeah. Even if you're buying in bulk, it's still really expensive. I mean, so, I would expect one terabyte. That's I think that's way like too small. Best case scenario. Yeah, yeah and I think it, you're right. It's way too small. Um, and then if you're to expand that, obviously Series mm-hmm. X has the port there. You're going to drop now, another hundred bucks on an external question. drive. So, so what's what is the port then? Uh, I, what, what, what is some, what kind of port yeah, is it specifically? Like, like, because like, why wouldn't it just be a USB C? I don't know. And call it a day. Like, is it it's some like a custom thing. Yeah, I don't know if we can actually. The the trailer doesn't show it. It's just in those photos. It's mm-hmm. I don't. I've never seen a port like it before. It's mm. like this slit that's like about this long and about that thick. I don't mm. know what it is, but that's what they figured out over time. Is that it's for external storage expansion? Interesting. Yeah, which is I'm guessing they're gonna need. And I'm wondering too if you can just use a regular external drive and just it's just gonna be slower. Mm-hmm. Which would defeat the purpose of, you know, some yeah. of the new functionality of the consoles. So that's a choice you can make. You yeah. Know? I mean, as long as the choice is in your hands, yeah. I'm okay with it. They're not forcing anything on you. And truth be told, you know, for the first year you own your console, a terabyte's going to be enough. Um, one, the games are going to be slow to be coming out. There's not going to be an avalanche of games. That's generally year two and year three. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think we've all gotten used to at this point to kind of keep in the games that we play a lot on our hard drive, and then the stuff, like the single-player stuff that you play, finish, you're done, kind of putting that on, taking it off as they come and go. Uh, So I think we've been prepared a little bit for that over this last generation of consoles. Um, So I don't think it'll be too big of a deal, uh, but we'll see. A lot of it's going to depend on the price of those external drives, too, I think. Uh, They could be really, really pricey. Uh, Phil also shared that he has been using the Xbox Series X at home for a while now. So the hardware is finished. They mm-hmm. have the first versions of the hardware off the assembly line. He said that pretty much everyone at the internal Xbox team has them at home now. They've been using them. That is really, really good. That means all the kinks are going to be worked out beforehand. He's been testing backwards compatibility on his. Uh, and by the way, if you want to follow him on Xbox Live, his playlist is kind of a list of games that are going to work with backwards compatibility on day one. Hmm. He's been going through all the games, checking them. If there's problems, obviously he notifies the team. Um, but he, what did he say? There's like 400 or a couple hundred games he's already confirmed that are working with the backwards compatibility on Series X. That's pretty good, if you ask me. Um, let's see some other notes that I have. Long again, as Ninja Gaiden works. Yeah, exactly. Uh, again, I want I want to reiterate because. Um, because they are the source of the, this information. This is coming from the Gamertag podcast. If you want to check those guys out, want to give them credit for all this. Um, one thing that Phil said is the, the Xbox wants to be different going to the next generation, and the strategies will be different. Um, he said the, the reveal at the Game Awards was just the first step. No one expected it, and Microsoft wants to continue doing this. So it sounds like expecting new information about Series X at the usual places, like mm-hmm. maybe a GDC or an E3, maybe that's not going to be the case going forward. Maybe it's adopting kind of Sony's strategy. Yeah. Interesting, nevertheless. Um, gamers are playing games on 
tons of devices nowadays, and it's important for Microsoft to support as many as they can. Um, he said that's why there are going to be no exclusive um, first-party Xbox Series X games at launch. Uh, because he said he didn't want any game to be limited to just that console during the first year or two of the device. So it sounds like the first two years. Rather sell that install base. Yeah. So it sounds like the first two years mm -hmm. of Series X, you're going to be able to play all its games on the older models, mm -hmm. which is great. Or PC. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily incentivize people to pick up the new hardware, but Microsoft isn't concerned about that, really. No. It doesn't care. If it's, if it's losing money on each Series X, it probably would prefer if you stuck yeah, on the old consoles. This is entirely about ecosystem, like it, we've said for a long time. It is. Um, he also talked about Japan. Now, Japan has been a nightmare for Xbox mm -hmm. from day one. Like, the first Xbox had a little bit of a foothold. Like, I remember going to Japan uh, during that generation, and you go into a game store, and it would be like the whole store was like PS2. Oh, yeah. There'd be like a 20-foot section for GameCube, and then there'd literally be like a four-foot section with Xbox stuff. Yeah, like there's some like sometimes there was a bigger Dreamcast section. Still at that yeah. point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and since then, it's only gotten worse. Like the last time I was in Japan, I couldn't find Xbox anything anywhere. So it has struggled to do well in Japan. It has tried to do well, or at least it used to try to do well. We're actually going to talk about a game a little bit later in the show that was one of Microsoft's efforts to kind of crack into that market. Um, but it has tried, and it just hasn't managed to succeed. The thing is, Phil's not ready to give up. Like, he's not giving up on Japan. He said they haven't signed any exclusive games from Japanese developers yet, mm -hmm. but he's looking into it, and it's something that they're considering. Um, and yet they asked him about first-party Xbox games for Japan, um, he said there's nothing to announce, which means no. That's probably never, ever going to happen. Um, he said he knows it's important, but is it really all that important to the Xbox business? I, I think mean, At this point, you can't be counting on it one way or the other. I so. think it's important to the otaku, who, yeah. who wish that Xbox had a bunch of Japanese games that were exclusives. But, yeah, but nobody bought them. So I mean, there was that period where you had, you know... Uh, Lost Odyssey and uh, Blue Dragon and you know they had the the Mistwalker they stuff. They tried yeah. it. It just didn't didn't catch. It didn't stick. Um, could they? Could Microsoft buy a Japanese studio and fix a lot of problems? Like, what if it bought like From Software? I mean, they could. I don't really see what that would solve. Um, I mean, then it's like a token. Sort of, yeah. But like, you know, and, and I just—it doesn't seem like they have the greatest track record working with Japanese developers. Scale bound, absolutely um, true. So, like, I don't—I don't know if that's even really worth pursuing at this point. I, I don't know if Japan is worth pursuing in general for Xbox. I mean, Japan is mostly ruled by mobile at this point. So, like, I don't even know if that matters, especially if you're going more of an ecosystem-focused, like Western-style. Maybe it PC is smarter angle. to do what they're doing, so, yeah. which is, you know what? You can play our games on your mobile phone, mm -hmm. or you can play it on your PC at home, or whatever. And they're well, you know, they'll welcome, you know, multi-platform stuff. You know, the Yakuza games are coming, and yep. all this. You know, they're, they're, you know, any everyone's invited, but like they're, they seem kind of done trying to sway people with Japanese content as like some sort of incentive to buy an Xbox. Yep, and uh, it's hard to blame them. I don't it just blame. Feels them. like you're not, you're never going to make headway there. So just save your save your resources for something more worthwhile. I was surprised they even kept trying through this 360 era. Mm -hmm. I mean, after what happened with the original Xbox, I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you probably should just yeah. bail on this, but they tried again. Although, if you you would like to try again uh, with a new Jet Set Radio, uh, I would I would take that. <laughs> I can think of a lot or of games. A, or a Jet Set Radio Future. I'd like to see that become backwards compatible. Yeah. Phil, if we're if we're working on that, 
That, that because cool. that, that's, a, that's a lost game. It you is. Know, it was exclusive to the original Xbox, and there's no other way to play it. So, yeah, uh, it's true. Bring that sucker forward. I'm sure there would be some li- music licensing you had to do, but, like, I'd like to play Jet Set Radio Future again. Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, and then the final kind of bit, and look, there's more. Again, I highly recommend going and listening to the Gamer Tag podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Kind of the last big bullet point was that Microsoft doesn't want anything to do with VR. I mean, that's right. the crib notes version. I mean, it took him, like... You know, a thousand words to say it, but ultimately Microsoft doesn't want anything to do with VR. Um, he said they're not going to do it until it becomes, and this is a quote, a no-brainer, mm-hmm. meaning that it's just so overwhelmingly... It's such a, sta- a staple that everybody has to have it. Yeah. Which um, makes sense at this point. Because like, they, they haven't just dove in. You know, I, I, if, you, if you get sunk costs like Sony does, yeah, you got to keep, you keep yeah, yeah. chasing that dragon. But uh, Microsoft is smart. Microsoft stayed out. <laughs> I mean, they sunk their own costs into the HoloLens crap. Yeah, but yeah like, that's uh, true. But they didn't put it out as a product. Commercially, so, yeah. So, like, you know, they, 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 they didn't go all the way with that one, and I think that was wise. Yeah, they don't have warehouses full of HoloLens no. sitting around, unsold. No. That was $3,000 <laughs> Yeah, AR that's stuff. not how they operated with, uh, with their, uh, their uh, headset, the only headset that they have put out, really. Mm-hmm. They did do, like, the mixed... The Windows mixed media headsets or whatever they tried to work with those that yeah. didn't work. That uh, whole thing has proven to be a massive bust. Like, yeah, it's about that and like the that was it was it Magic Magic Square? Oh, Magic Leap. Magic Leap. That's right. Which is that now like fired half its staff and mm-hmm. it's like it it's not going to last. I said that we've been saying that all along about Magic Leap. Augmented mm-hmm. reality just. It just hasn't really caught on with the mainstream because people can do it on their phones. They're yeah. like, why do I need to buy uh, glasses or a headset? Well, and also like. It's not what you think you you see when they do like the big presentations and you see Minecraft sitting on the table and then like, you go and actually try it and like the viewing angle is like thirty percent of your vision. Yeah. Cone you can't and, like, move. You have yeah, to like sit perfectly still. It's not like VR where you put it on and it's like better than you imagined. Right. Hololens yeah. was always it's worse. Less. It's, <laughs> yeah, like, it's true. Um, so yeah, it doesn't look like they're going to go into VR. He also said that um, right now he feels like most of the games are really just demos. Uh, a lot of them are plagued with performance issues, and then there's other problems mm-hmm. with motion sickness. So I, it's hard for me to argue against Microsoft, you know, its plan. Like, it's smart, you know? Sony has invested a ton of money in PlayStation VR. I was pleasantly surprised to find out that they ended up selling 5 million of them, but that's still not scale, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're talking about the PlayStation 4 just went over, what, 108 million sold or something absurd? Um, and 5 million, that's just a drop in the bucket for PlayStation VR. So I think Microsoft's doing it the right way. Um, for right now, I think VR does best on PC. Um, although, you know, the Series X is a pretty beastly PC that they're putting out. Yeah. So I could see it maybe coming online in a couple years. And it's not even something Microsoft is going to have to worry about. They could probably have the HMD manufacturers work on the libraries and getting it up and running on the hardware. So I think that that's the right call. In 2020, I think that's the right call. We'll see as time changes, though. So there you go. More and more details coming about Xbox Series X. Uh, On the flip side, we have PlayStation, which was supposed to have an event this week. It didn't have it. Now it's looking like GDC is going to be at least something for PlayStation 5. Dice coming up. Somebody might say something. You know Dice. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a bunch of developers. It is, but it's also sitting around like, getting drunk, playing yeah, blackjack. Drunk developers talk. They do. So we might find out a couple. Something of things could leak out. That's true. Yeah. That's a good point. I do remember sitting at the bar at Dice a couple times, and people. Dice is when I, where I've heard the craziest stuff. Yeah, and, and it, sometimes it takes years to figure out what they were talking about. Yeah, and, and why oh, is that it? was that? Why like, is it that that event the developers? T- 
talk. Because it's so hard to get in. I guess. And if you're there, they assume you're, you're part in. of the club yeah. kind of thing, which, you know, I was at the time. Like, I remember. I haven't gone to that in forever. I, lo- I, I like Dice a lot. It's fun. I mean, it's it's a big party. With, it's like, a big party, and it's, the, it's like where you're most likely to get, like, one-on-one, like, hangout time with, like, the big luminary people. It's where I probably talk the most to people like uh, Ken Levine. And, uh, yeah. Actually, I was on a panel with him at PAX, so I talked to him. Like, but you can just go up to everybody and, like. Yeah, they're just there. Just there. Yeah. And, like, Will Wright will talk to you for hours about robots, and it's just yeah. great. Like, it's, it's a lot of fun. Like, I went to Dice the year that Microsoft bought Rare. Mm-hmm. And it, for journalists, there's not a lot, a lot going on there. It's not like a typical no, trade show where there's kiosks set up and there's all this stuff. Like, it's it's mostly this big room where everybody goes for, like, the presentations mm-hmm. and the awards, and then people just party. Hang on. The par- I mean, the presentations are usually really interesting. Um, I we, we did the awards show. Like, we produced and hosted the awards show with X-Play for years. That's right. And, uh, Couple, I mean, I started getting in because uh, one year they came to us and they're like, well, we got to do this this like Lifetime Achievement Award like montage segment for Sid Meier. And the people we were going to do it can't do it. So can you do it in like two days? And like, and I was like, and, you know, yeah, my boss came up, came up and was like, you think you could do that? And I'm like, for Sid Meier? Yes. Yeah, yes, absolutely. I can. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I got, got to our fastest editor, Justin Dornbush, and uh, we just threw that thing together in two days, and they're like, awesome. And they loved it. They loved it. <laughs> I still use the bag they gave me as a, as a, as a present from that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a couple, for a couple of years, I got to go and went, went a couple of times, and it was great. And like, But, yeah, I don't know what you do for, like, a news, like a journalist journalism side thing, but in terms of just sort of networking and, oh, and meeting people, it's amazing. Well, to finish my story, so I'm there, and I'm, like, I'm talking to somebody about a rare game. And somebody comes up to me, and they're like, oh, you're talking about our game. Mm-hmm. And I was like, your game? Mm. And he's like, yeah, I work at Rare. And I was like, it was the first time I ever met someone from Rare in person. Like, literally, they used to be, like, just shuttered. Mm-hmm. You could never interview anyone from there. They are also off. Like, they were off in the middle of nowhere in England. Or yeah, whatever, in the country. Were, yeah. In- and I was like, holy crap. I'm like, I've, dude, I've been doing this for like 15 years. I've never met someone from Rare. And he's like, well, you're going to start seeing us now mm-hmm. because the purchase had just happened. And he's like, oh, this is a whole new life for us now. Like Nintendo was keeping Wait Rare. until you see the bottom of the Avatar's shoes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he didn't even know what was coming right. at that point. He's right. just like, Nintendo isn't going to keep us behind closed doors anymore. We can actually like talk to people now. And he just started spilling his guts to me about everything. About like Banjo Three, about what happened with Nintendo. I was like, "Holy crap! I can't believe you're telling me this stuff." There is an interview with him. It's probably lost on the internet now, but I did eventually get a crew and come over and get him to say a bunch of stuff on camera about it. Um, but that's the type of stuff that happens at Dice, mm-hmm. and that's why people go. But it's also why I haven't been there in a long time because there's no coverage. Right. So, but something could leak it's, out of it, there for for people like us. I think it's it, Dice is an indulgence for sure. Basically. For sure. Like you're not going to get a lot of traction story stuff out of it yeah i think it's more likely that we do get details at gdc than dice. Detail, official details yeah but i i, I still think a couple people might say the same like say i may right get like a dm or like an, an instant message from somebody who's like oh i just heard this here blah 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 mm-hmm. and then of course you have to take it with a grain of salt although stuff that comes from dice is pretty reliable yeah. in general so all right let's move on we're going to talk next about modern warfare season two and the reason i want to talk about this is because I feel it's a game that's doing the game as a service, the DLC, right. And I wanted to wait to talk about this until after I had experienced a full season in the game. And today, season two kicks off. 
Um, and it's it's new content, but the structure and how it works is going to be the same as it was for season one. So the big news leading up to the release of this game was that there was going to be no paid DLC. And that is 1,000% true. Everything eventually is free. Um, how it works is there are so many, there are, there are literally like four or five different leveling systems going on at once in Modern Warfare 2. But the main one for the season pass is a series of challenges that you have to complete um, that unlock different stuff. And it's just a, a linear chain and it shows you very clearly like once you get this many experience points, you're going to unlock this. Once you get to this next zenith, you're going to unlock this. And generally you're unlocking... Um, character skins, like playable character skins, and, and they do remodel some of them. They're not just merely skins. Um, you're getting, like, cosmetics for, like, your gun. You're getting sprays, which are these thing, these emotes that you can spray up. Um, the maps are not a part of that. So the maps are released by Activision on a very defined schedule, and I'll go through those in a second for Season 2. Um, for Season 1, most of them were available, like, immediately. And then they dripped, like, one extra one as uh, the month wore on. So you basically have, like, a month to make it through a series of challenges, and there's tons. Like, this this Season 1, I got to, like, I think level, like, 55 or something like that. And it there's literally, like, dozens and dozens more levels. Um, but the good news is, is that they do kind of front-load it. So... With every season, you get a couple free weapons or a couple new weapons, but they're loaded. And like, I got the second weapon in season one when I got to like level 22 or something like that. So the big stuff that people really want, they do put towards the front of the line so that people who don't spend their entire lives playing Call of Duty can actually unlock the stuff that people care about. The same with the operators, like the new playable characters, they're front loaded towards the front. And then sprinkled in between are the cosmetics and stuff like that that I talked about. But there's also these tokens that you can get for XP. So you can get a token that's 45 minutes of double XP or 30 minutes of double weapon XP. And a lot of that stuff you want to use strategically um, when you're trying to kind of make it at the end before they close down the season. Because the thing is, as of today, everything in season one has gone now. So if you didn't play and get all that stuff unlocked, you can't get it. But again, they front load a lot of this stuff towards the beginning of the season, so it's pretty easy to get that stuff. Um, so today, they turn the page. Season 2 has launched. Um, probably the thing that people will care about the most from Season 2 is that Ghost from Modern Warfare 2 is going to be a playable character. Mm. Um, you can unlock him. Through again through the battle pass and call look, me when COD Dog is playable. <laughs> yeah, that's actually I'm surprised he has not yet yeah. been a DLC character. Um, the other thing too is that if you don't want to spend the time playing, you can pay real money to skip through all this stuff. Mm. Um, you can get the whole season pass for ten bucks if you want to. So if you don't want that's to, a pretty good price. Yeah, and if, so if you and and again, I had unlocked most of the stuff that I actually wanted from the season pass in the first like three or four days, like literally, like I got most of the the important stuff in less than a week of playing the game. And if you want to spend the 10 bucks, you'll get everything and you don't have to actually grind your way through it. But it's not even really grinding. Like you, if you're a decent player, every two or three matches, you get a new reward. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of the way that they're scaled or whatever. Um, so Ghost is the big uh, new operator in season two. Uh, there are four new maps. Um, Rust, which is, I believe, also from Modern Warfare 2 is the, the throwback, the legacy map that they're including. And then there are three brand new ones. Uh, there's one map that's kind of like a Walmart. It's called Atlas Superstore. That's available today on launch day. 
There's another one called Zakhev Boneyard, and that's specifically a ground war map. Have you played ground? Have you played this at all? Um, barely at launch. Uh, play, I, I, I've played ground war mode. Okay. In other ones, it's battlefield it's just basically. Battlefield, yeah. With ve- they have vehicles this time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that map is specifically just for that. There's another one called Candor Hideout. Uh, that is a timed map. That does not come out until mid-season, so I'm guessing in two or three weeks. Uh, and then there's another map called Bazaar, and that's available on launch day. And again, like I said, you can buy the whole pass for 10 bucks, or you earn, as you play the game, you earn COD points, and that's the virtual currency inside the game that you pay real mm-hmm. money for. You can earn some of those throughout the season. And in fact, I am at 1,000 COD points in the game, so I could actually buy... Season two, if I wanted to, free, hmm. and get all that stuff right away if I wanted to unlock it right away. If I didn't so, how long it. did it take you to get those thousand? Points? The, pretty much the whole season. Mm-hmm. And in fact, they kind of set it up that way. Like you'll get if it's you, sort of like Fortnite. It is. It's you, very much play, like Fortnite. If you play a reasonable amount, you will be able to afford the next season. Yep, and that's exactly how it works. Mm-hmm. Like literally, like last week, they just gave me like three hundred cod points. And I was like, what's that for? And then I noticed it. I went from 700 to 1,000. Mm. That was basically them just saying, you've played enough. Here's enough COD points so that you can buy Season 2. So I just, you know, I've been pretty critical of this game in general. I still am not a huge fan of the gameplay, and I still prefer to play Black Ops over this game. But the way that they're handling their DLC and their Season Passes is amazing. And And it's, in honesty, the way every game should be going forward. I know it won't happen that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's definitely not going to happen on mobile, that's for sure. Um, but they have set an excellent example with this game for how you should handle uh, post-launch updates, post-launch DLC, expansions, and things like that. I hope that because this game is so big that others will follow suit. I think it's more likely that others will say the reason they can do it is because they're so big. And they mm-hmm. sell you know, they sell 20 million copies of the game. They should be able to give everything away for free. So... It'll be interesting to see if this actually does end up affecting um, how other games handle their season passes. But to me, look, if I'm going to criticize something, I want to keep an even keel and I want to give credit where it's due whenever they do something good with a game. And they have absolutely nailed the post-launch support for Call of Duty Modern Warfare. And uh, as most of you probably know who are playing this, that's really what matters. Because when you get this game, you play the campaign, it's over in five hours if you're going to stick with it, you're going to play multiplayer. And that's what most people are doing, working through the season passes. So kudos. Um, I feel like Infinity Ward did an excellent job designing that part of the game. I'm still not a fan of the gameplay. Uh, I still think there's a ton of issues with the game. The spawns are still all jacked up and the maps are still goofy. Um, but for people who are going to stick with this game and keep playing it and try to grind through and earn new content, uh, I think you're going to be very happy with it. Uh, and if you've played this, if you played this at launch and haven't come back to it, the other thing I would say is come back and play because mm-hmm. you have all the maps from season one in addition to the launch maps. Uh, and now you have three brand new maps. They just came with season two. Another one's going to launch in a couple weeks. Um, at least come back for a week and start playing through the new maps and, and learn them. Because one if, thing I will say. Can, if you can download everything. This thing, I deleted this thing because it got too big. I'm oh, sure it's 120 some gigs now. 120 wow. some gigs. When you download like a new map, it's 12 gigs. <laughs> It's insane. Meanwhile, Days Gone just halved its file size. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. Probably found a new way to compress textures yeah. or something. And so Is there no, there's no Battle Royale yet? Yeah. Oh, no. No, not in this. Mm. I mean, there's the Black Ops right. Battle Royale. But, but, no, they haven't released one for this yet. Okay. Just Ground War, um, which I think is enough to tie people over until they figure out how to do a Battle Royale mode. They may not need to. I mean, my guess is 
the battle royale from Black Ops ends up becoming free. Mm. And then they just start selling cosmetics around it. I'm surprised they haven't done that already, to be honest with you. Uh, because, you know, Modern Warfare has been out now for three or four months. So I am kind of surprised that that hasn't happened already. So maybe they are working on a battle royale for this. It could be possible. Um, we still haven't seen the battle royale for Battlefield. Yeah. God, I was... <laughs> How long is that taking? Yeah. Well, I, I think they're just going to bail at this point. Seems like it. I just think that at this point they're just like, it's not worth it. EA, what's going on over there? I don't know. But, yeah. And what's going on at DICE more specifically? Yeah. I mean, I, well, I mean, I guess uh, all hope rests on Vince Ampella at this point. Vince is with saying the Battle Royale is studio all but confirmed now. So it sounds like it is coming. With his new studio and see what they make. Yeah, hope, hope they got that other that Star Wars game. I keep uh, speculating about in there somewhere. Yeah, battle. I think Battlefield's Battle Royale did come out, but they haven't supported it the way that they mm-hmm. had initially said they were going to. Yeah, I've, I think I vaguely remembered someone talking about it. I feel like playing yeah. Domination in that game is like playing Battle Royale because you run around for like ten minutes and never see yeah. anyone. <laughs> That's a big reason why I've stopped playing Battlefield. There's to me, there's just too much downtime. And I think if you play a lot of Call of Duty, it's it's more obvious because there's like no downtime. Literally in this game, you can spawn and there's an enemy right next to you and he shoots you in the head. So there's no mm-hmm. no downtime whatsoever. But but again, I, I try to. Uh, I try to reward games when they do things right, and uh, I, you know, I'm going to tell you guys when there's things wrong with them. But this is one case where a game has done something really well, and if you've lapsed on this game, I highly recommend going back uh, today and give it a go for a couple days and see if you can get reengaged. But that's it. Call of Duty: Modern Warfare Season Two live now across all platforms. All right, let's move on. I'm going to talk next about Ubisoft. Ubisoft, the destroyer of many a video game fantasy draft. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) They are probably the least reliable publisher for release dates at this point. Um, It's also not very... For a pretty good reason, though. For a good reason. It's also not very specific with its release dates, usually. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't usually get that hard date until, like, a few months before they know it's going to happen. Usually they're just like, this fiscal, this quarter... Well, Ubisoft just put out its financials, and it did that again. Um, But... I think most people would view this as good news. Um, and this is that Ubisoft is saying it's going to have five AAA games hmm. available before April 2021. So by the end of this fiscal year, it's going to have five AAA games ready to yeah. roll on the market. So when I first heard that, I was like, holy crap, five games in like a 12-month span? That's awesome. But then... I started taking inventory of the games that Ubisoft has announced that are currently in development, and I realized, holy crap, there's there's some weird stuff going on here. Mm. Um, so we figured at first they didn't even share what the five games were that were going to come out. Uh, they shared three of them, and then people through sleuthing have kind of figured out what the other two are. So the first game, Watch Dogs Legion, that's pretty obvious. Got to come out this year. Yeah. It got to right. I hope so. Uh, I'm for the starting sake to wonder. Of my fantasy team. Yeah, I'm really starting to wonder though if it's going to make it. It's starting to look a little, sh- a little shaky as to whether it's going to make. That was one of my alternates. It might end up having. I might end up needing to use the other alternate f- because of my first alternate. Right. What? What's your other alternate? I forgot. I don't remember. <laughs> you don't remember either. I don't feel so bad then if you don't remember. <laughs> um. So yeah. Obviously, this game has been in development for a while. It hasn't been a known quantity for all that long, as far as officially. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not since E3. I mean, E3. Although, like, I think I like there were some good guesses. I mean, we knew it was in London for a few months before that, yep. and that it was going to be kind of you know 
dystopian, like, you know, Big Brother kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I think Kotaku broke some of that stuff. And I think there was stuff about how there was no main character right? Uh, early on. Yeah, and people couldn't figure out what the hell that meant. They're like, yeah. wait a minute, how is there no main character? And then at E3, we, mm-hmm. we finally figured out what that is um, and that you can play as anyone. Yeah. You kind of at it, least it seems like you kind of play as an idea. Yeah, we'll see if that works, man. I don't know. I like the I like the, I like the idea. Oh, I love um, it. I love it. The freedom that, but again, you just it I'm has worried. To be, it has to be implemented properly. Yeah, I'm really worried about the execution. Um, of it. Although to be fair, I if I had to pick, I would ra- I'm, I prefer that Breakpoint be the one they had to learn the hard lesson about execution on Agreed. and get this one right. Agree a thousand percent because it's just another shooter. Right, and this a- one another would, Ubisoft this one could, shooter. This could no be less. really special if yeah. they, if they nail it. Absolutely. Um, Gods and Monsters was one of the games that mm-hmm. they said is coming, which I was kind of surprised that they, that they would get out on a limb and say, yeah, this is one of them. Yeah, this this feel. I mean, like I get it. It makes sense. That, I mean, they're ba- it looks like they're basically repurposing Odyssey yeah. into like a more Zelda-ish looking art style. But like I this just with Ubisoft's history, this would not have shocked me if it just sort of vanished into the ether. Like it, forever. It, like if it's Skull and Bones did. Yeah. You know? Well, actually, we're getting to that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Gods and Monsters, even though all we have is this trailer that is mm-hmm. like 15 seconds long, it is coming in the next fiscal year, allegedly. I mean, cool. I- I'm so excited it. for it. Yeah, yeah, I'm really into it. But I just don't know if I trust that or not, to be honest. Uh, then the final game that they officially said is coming in the next fiscal year, Rainbow Six Quarantine, another game that we have very little about. Mm-hmm. We There's one like kind of – Although, sh- is, is there much to know – in general, like about it anyway. Probably like not. It's just, it's just Rainbow Six with zombies. Well, really. I mean, it's like a cooperative survival Cooper, yeah. shooter against zombies, which doesn't really fit the IP at all. No, but you're all, you're trying to fill the you're trying to fill that niche that Valve refuses to fill with Left 4 Dead 3. Yeah, for whatever reason, it just refuses to make another game. Um, and this should have really high production. I mean, it, we're getting a lot of these types of games from small developers right now. Mm-hmm. There's, it's like every month there's a new one. Yeah. There's some zombie, you know, it's a Left 4 Dead. It seems cl- like a new Walking Dead game sneaks out about every <laughs> yeah. five weeks at this point. They're starting to run out, though. I, I just looked in the database on Sifted the other day, and once Saints and Sinners came out, there's only like two more dangling out there. Oh, is that all? <laughs> <laughs> well, there were like five right. for like a long time. Uh, but you're right, man. They really milked that license for all it's worth. I can't even tell anymore whether games are based on the TV show or the the digital uh, not like you can't even tell anymore um so i'm i guess i'm a little surprised that they would have that much confidence that quarantine's gonna make it we haven't seen squat from the game we saw a trailer at e3 and that we haven't heard a thing about it since um and then the other two games that people figured out through deduction and reporting is assassin's creed ragnarok which is the assassin's creed mm-hmm. it takes place in or whatever it's called whatever it ends up being called it's that's kind of the working title that mm-hmm. the press has made up yeah it's like, i mean i think that was from a fake leak <laughs> it was yeah, yeah yeah but uh, all information so far is still pointing to the fact that it is set in sort of the the viking yeah, it's era a, it's, it seems like it's definitely gonna be vikings yep um and then the other one is a new far cry mm-hmm um, do you think it'll be like Far Cry Six, or do you think it'll be a side um, sort of thing? Yeah, I think it'll be Far Cry Six. We already got the side thing for Far Cry Five. Yeah, um, the New Dawn. Yep. Um, Which did terrible. It, yeah, bombed hard. So they might. I don't know. Like, I think that the lesson of New Dawn may not be like, oh, nobody wants side Far Cry stuff, but it might be like, if you're gonna do side Far Cry stuff, you got to make it crazier than that. Yeah. Like it I, was pretty tame, actually. Now that I yeah, think about, yeah. In, ter- in compare, I mean, it's you know, it's a post-nuclear apocalypse, like you know, jump forward whole thing. But like, I think in terms of like Far Cry, I mean, 
when you compare that to Primal and Blood Dragon, yeah. like it's pretty samey Generic. compared to yeah. the, I mean, compared it to its just... numbered equivalent. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah, and that is kind of what they do. Usually, the side stories kind of stretch the limits of yeah, the IP. Just off in crazy town, which is like, great. That's what you want. And like, I was excited to see them kind of continue the story for once. But I feel like after playing it, um, that was probably not the. I, I think I'd rather have some kind of Gonzo weird idea instead. Just I'd using, agree with that. using the same map and assets. I think that's worked better for them. I agree. So those are the five games. Again, I'll run down them really quickly. Watch Dogs Legion, Gods and Monsters, Rainbow Six Quarantine, mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed Ragnarok, and Far Cry probably six. Yeah, although I wonder what the setting and what the premise would be for, for Far Cry six, especially uh, in the especially in the, the, the world and climate we're in right now versus Ubisoft's continued insistence that they don't do political <laughs> games right before they're about to put out a basically nineteen eighty four by way of like Yeah. Brexit yep. game and Watch Dogs <laughs> Legion and, and I mean after uh, the stuff they put out the last couple of years I mean yeah I mean all this stuff, all I mean, look it. Tom Clancy games are political by nature like yeah. I mean even the most shallow imaginable way but like you're still I mean Breakpoint still has political themes in it yeah for sure so yep. it'd be nice to see them embrace that at some point because I think Far Cry could be a very interesting series if they put some balls on it again I'd agree I mean? yep um, okay, so those are the games that they are confirmed to be coming in the next year. But some of those were a little surprising. But what was most surprising to me is the games that were not mentioned mm-hmm. and are not coming in the next fiscal year. And we're talking really it's the next, like, 14 months because we're only in February. Yeah. We're talking April of next year. Beyond Good and Evil 2. Well, I didn't expect to see that this fiscal. You didn't? No. That thing is in maybe end of next year. I mean, we now know that it is not coming this generation. Oh, yeah. It is a PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X game. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's been in development for a really long time. Well, it depends. Like, this version, I don't know how long it's been. Like, yeah. two, three years, maybe? Yeah, it could be. Um, it seems like there's there've probably been at least three or two two other versions of this game over the years. Um I mean, I don't know. There's like, the one. I'm, there was one that actually looked like looked Beyond like Beyond Good and Evil. Evil. <laughs> uh, I mean, like I'm. I mean, I don't know if calling this Beyond Good and Evil Two is the most sensible thing to do. But uh, leaving aside my expectations of what a Beyond Good and Evil sequel would be, uh, this thing looks awesome. It like, does. This is, yeah. this is exact. Like this is like you might as well be making this for me. So uh, I take your time, get it right, make something great. Like I don't. I don't care how long it takes. Like I. You, it's just insane that there's this much media out there. The game looks like all the systems mm-hmm. are in place already. I don't think it does. I think there's way. I think this thing's way bigger than we think. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. And it's gonna be like gigantic. they need to make sure all this stuff works together. And like you've you've seen games come out that have similar. You know, I, I'm sure they've taken lessons from like how uh, Hello Games has updated No Man's Sky. I'm sure they took a strong, a hard look at Journey to the Savage Planet. I mean, there's the kind of the space exploration sort of different systems working together, like game subgenre has become a real thing, and then you've still got the kind of the the the, the French space opera element to this that is really unique to to, to what they're doing. Um, like, there's a lot of moving parts here, and I, it doesn't surprise me that they're taking their time to get it right. Um, well, it doesn't surprise me at all because it's Michel Ancel. Right. <laughs> he, do, he doesn't do anything fast. No, and uh, uh, we'll just hope that. 
it turns out better than ancestors did. Yes, please. And, uh, <laughs> even though they both That's they both involve <laughs> they both involve uh, simian they do primates actually in a, interestingly in a strong enough. role. Yep. But I mean, all this stuff looks looks amazing. It does. Um, yeah. It it just seems like it's farther along than I guess it is. I don't. I, I mean, it looks like the they finally figured out what the individual systems are. I don't think you necessarily have got the whole solar system together and have figured out why each why and how each system works with all the other systems. Like, I would imagine there's a lot of tweaking happening in terms of making this thing sing with itself. Well, they're going to have plenty of time to do it. Yeah, because <laughs> it's not coming Good. for the I, next fourteen months. I am fine with that. Learn how to use the new hardware. Get it all there. Like, give me, give me something I love more, like the way I loved Horizon or yep. something like that. Great. Next up, the list of MIA mm-hmm. Splinter Cell. Do you think at this point, like, <laughs> this is just wish people's wishful thinking trying to make this come into being? I don't know. I feel like I feel like that. I feel like the property's bubbling around in there somewhere. I mean, I, I can't imagine they're not thinking about it. They did do the the Wildlands DLC with Sam Fisher and um, Michael Ironside's back in action doing the voice again. Like, I mean, I, you have to be working on something, but it's just a matter of, like, figuring out why do you make a new Splinter Cell. Like, the, a new Splinter Cell has to offer something different than the other Tom Clancy properties and give a good you know it basically has to justify its existence and i can imagine it would it might be taking a while uh, also their slate's pretty full uh they at this i imagine would be a next gen game um so we might see sam fish i just you know as, long, as long as Michael Ironside's up for it, I'm in for a new Sam Fisher game whenever they get to it. But. I'll be honest. I really don't care if it ever comes back. I don't. But, like... <laughs> I really don't. Like, I, mean, I mean, I think there's plenty of, you know, man shooters, Tom Clancy gun content. It's yeah. fine. Um, the last thing I need is another game I have to sneak around behind boxes for. But I do like Sam Fisher as a character. I do like the Splinter Cell concept. Uh, if they were going to maybe do something closer to... Uh, you remember the the original concept demos they were showing of uh, you know that when they were kind of rebooted it with like I can't was it where he was wanted conviction I think it was yeah um, and talking then, about that scene in the bathroom where he smashes that dude's head on the yeah, with, with, like, yeah. it was like it was more of like an on the run sort of game yeah, yeah. and like it became a much more standard action game by the time it came out but if they could kind of you know and I think a lot of the ideas that they had in that original demo ended up in Watch Dogs that's but, probably um, true I mean that happens at UB a lot yeah. They cannibalize the ideas from failed projects into something else. Because they're all working together you might as well. on all yeah, the projects. All, yeah, there's, there's, that's actually a, a, a compliment, I sure, would say. Sure, absolutely. That, of, yeah. About their workflow and com- communication. But um, if they can figure out a reason to bring Sam back and, and why this game should exist, I would, I definitely I do like the character, and I would be happy to hear Michael, Michael Ironside read the phone book. So I don't care. <laughs> you know, I, I'm into that. It's just like, yeah, I, I, my main question about a new Splinter Cell is like, okay, why are you making a new Splinter Cell? Yeah. Especially in an era where I feel like that... IP probably doesn't have the the hook or the, the the clout that it once did. I mean, most modern gamers. So what are you doing? What are you doing with this that makes people excited? Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like they need to give me a reason for me to care about mm-hmm. another Splinter Cell because right now I don't. Right, I just simply don't. Uh, here may be the biggest surprise of all. You said it earlier. Skull and Bones. Mm-hmm. Is this game canceled, Matt? I don't think so. It was shown at E3 two years ago yep. as one of Ubisoft's pillar projects mm-hmm. and had a release date. And then it didn't make its release date, and now it's just like it doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah. Like, they haven't said anything about it in forever. Mm -hmm. There hasn't been a new piece of media released for it. It wasn't mentioned in their quarterly report. I think it still exists. They're just, again, trying to figure it out. Like, And and the thing is, I don't know what they're trying to figure out because I still don't really – I guess it's more of a multiple – it feels like what we saw of it feels like it's kind of the for honor of pirate ship combat. 
You know what I mean? Like, well, it feels like that was that was. I think when they for? first showed it, they they tried to sell it as primarily a single a player game. No, uh, I got the impression it was multiplayer. Well, no. Then the next year when it was at E3, mm. that's when it looked mul- because they set up all the multiplayer kiosks in their booth, and I was like, oh wait a minute, like mm-hmm. I didn't even know this was going to have multiplayer. So. It, I think they're trying – I think they know, like most developers these days, that where you're going to make your money is in multiplayer. People buying cosmetics and pirate hats and all this mm-hmm. silly crap that people spend money for. And maybe that's what they're doing is they're trying to reorganize the game yeah. so that it's – I think also maybe part of it might be maybe they couldn't get it to work on current-gen systems. Possible. Like they might need the next-gen power for They always movie. showed it running on PC. Yeah. Every time they showed it, it was running on a PC. So just basically bide your time, wait for the new systems, and get something out in 2021. I think it might be canceled. I don't think so. The beta's still got sign-ups going. Does it? Yeah. Like it, it, I, it's, it's, I'm 90% sure that game still exists. Okay. That's encouraging. Here's another one, though. I wonder if you think this one still exists. I mean, I'm not saying it won't be canceled eventually. Yeah. But like right now, I think I think they it's are still, still in development. I think, I think they're just trying to wait out the generational transition right now. Last up of the games that are missing in action, Roller Champions. God, I forgot about this until, <laughs> until I saw it on the sheet today. Was I don't it, was think Was this last alone. E3? Was this... I think it was the yeah it was last E three. Yeah. It was like it was debuted like the day before Ubisoft's press conference. Yeah, or whatever. that's right. Or maybe that's it right. leaked. Even. It was. I think it leaked. Yeah, because I think Eve's like made a comment about right. it leaking. Yeah, yeah, so it's a it's a roller derby game that's online multiplayer focused. Sure, why not? Uh, th- again, they show this and it just disappears into thin air, and now it's not coming out for another fourteen months from today. Mm-hmm. Like this game doesn't look that complicated. But how, but how will you meet the demand? <laughs> For the online roller derby audience, I don't know. I don't. I mean, they're I, gonna have to go elsewhere for their fix, Matt. I'm not gonna lie. I've been to some roller derbies. It's fun, but like, do I want to play like some kind of weird permutation? I don't. I don't. It's weird. Like this had to be like, so like for honor. I imagine this is somebody's pet project that somehow got greenlit. I, this is as confusing to me as steep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah put it that good, way. Actually, it's a, that's a very good analogy. I mean, coming yeah. from the same publisher as right. well. It's like, I'm not, I'm not saying it wouldn't be fun, but I am confused. I wouldn't even be surprised <laughs> if we find out that it's, like, created by the same team. I wondered that. <laughs> I wondered if there's some kind of, like, if there's, like, some, like, kind of runaway core of, like, action game, action sports <laughs> fans that just refuse to die in the in the bowels of Ubisoft somewhere. Well, you know they supported Steep for forever. Still, they still, still there's, like, stuff out DLC coming out for it. Like, I don't know anybody who played that game. Nobody, not one. But I think I own like two copies of oh, it yeah, of, like the various bundles and <laughs> just, freebie things. Yeah, like, they couldn't give that game away. Um, so, what do you think about Roller Champions? Think we'll ever see that one? I think we might. It's such a simple game. You'd think it they could wouldn't cancel it. Like they, no. their expectations for it have to be low. Right. I just, yeah, sure, it might. God, I don't care. I don't. Like, I, re- like, I really don't. Yeah. Like it can come out. It can not come out. I probably yeah, won't ever like play a, it. It's like Rocket League with yeah, I imagine roller Rock- derby. I can't imagine Rocket League wasn't brought up in the pitch meeting. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. They're like, how can we make a game like Rocket League? What about roller derby? What about roller derby? <laughs> Let's turn on the Ocho and check it out. <laughs> it was big in 1977. <laughs> That's really the last time people cared was, about roller was, derby. No, it was big for a while. In the that, 80s. That, no, about 10 years ago in L.A. Really? It was a big roller derby thing. Yeah, like, I mean, like on TV and stuff. On TV, sure, but I'm just like you know, in local local clubs and stuff. Like There was a period, because that was a period where I was like doing like online dating stuff around 2010. Uh-huh. And like almost everyone I got matched with had like roller derby photos. Really? Like, they were all doing roller <laughs> derby. Hilarious. Like, 
what is it about the roller derby girls? Man? I don't know. I I, I, I like a girl uh, that can mix it up on on the track. Apparently. I guess I don't know. Apparently, um, I still don't understand it. Like I and I watched it again last either. year. I don't I, know I the last rules. year, the year before, it was actually on the Ocho for a while. And I was like, I don't get I don't any get of what I'm looking. at. I don't at. know what the rules are either. I was as confused as when I tried to watch cricket when I was yeah. in uh, <laughs> That's London. That's also hard to follow. Yeah. Although um, I understood cricket after like two days, yeah. and I still don't understand. After derby. like twenty yeah. years, yeah, roller derby was on TV back in the eighties, yeah, right I in the same that. era when Glow, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, right. was on TV. Well, I mean, like you, were, you had like roller babies and yeah, like yeah. all like you, you, like the roller derby thing. I think there was even uh, Rollerball, and, the movie, uh, yeah. the movie about yeah, it was, it which was, was pretty good. Not to be confused with Solar Babies, which is a very different <laughs> film, but also involves roller skates. Yeah. Go look that one up, kids. Yeah, Rollerball was like slap shot in the future, yeah. basically, is what that movie is. Yeah. Kickboxing, sport of the future. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's it. That's what. That's the next uh, 14 months from Ubisoft. Um, well, my $2. So, yeah, some big that's stuff. That's the other junk. Yeah, That's yeah. the other movie. But, yeah. Um, but we want our $2 from Twitch right. Prime. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so five games coming from UB in the next 14 months. That seems about right. Yeah. I, I just think it feels like Ubisoft announced. Sure could use one of those right about now. Yeah. Just saying. Absolutely. It would have been nice to Wow. Be, I mean, I couldn't. How nice would it have been with... to play Watch Dogs Legion? Yeah. Like this month or last month. Yeah. It would have sold huge. But just, like the, just like the first one. Didn't make it. Yeah. Came out in, what was that? Came out in like May? March, I think. March or May. It was one yeah. of the M months. Yeah. But it had no competition. Nope. And nothing, it, was, it was just free and clear. It sold a ton. It works. It absolutely but works. If it's not ready, it's not ready. But don't count on seeing Beyond Good and Evil 2, Splinter Cell, Skull yeah. and Bones, or Roller Champions get, for a um, long time. Well, Division 2. Division 2 is like two ninety nine right now or some crazy, yeah. crazy low price. You can price. basically get it for free right now. I'll probably do that. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's well, right. I mean, that is right. Like, they yeah. should sell it for three bucks because it's a game as a service. You're going to make money off the people if they get hooked on it anyway. Like, mm-hmm. it probably should be free to start right now, if you ask me. It didn't do well out of the gate anyway. So, yeah. you might as well get as many players in there as you can. Pretty close. I feel, like you, I feel like you have to charge some kind of nominal thing just to not freak the people who paid 50 or 60 bucks for it out. It's uh, been a long time, though. When did it come out? Like a year ago. Was it a year Like yeah. last spring? Yeah. Mm. So it's been a while. They could probably get away with it yeah. at this point. I might finally play it for two ninety nine or whatever it is. <laughs> it's like, worth two ninety nine. I actually had a lot of fun with it. Um, all right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Resident Evil on Netflix. Rumors have been swirling around about this for at least a year, um, and finally, Netflix screwed up and it published the description for the show on its database. And Internet Hawks found it, and they have it, and now we know for sure that there is a Resident Evil TV show coming to Netflix. Uh, the, the rumor right now is like 2021. It doesn't look like it's coming this year. Mm-hmm. Um, they're saying that there's going to be eight hour-long episodes, so eight hours, con- eight hours of content in total. Um, it does not take place in Raccoon City. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, it takes place in a fictional, fictional Maryland town, Although it it sounds Badgerville, yeah, it's something like Clearfield or something yeah. like that. It's just some generic name, but it does sound like you're going to be able to go to Washington D.C. or Washington D.C. is just adjacent. Mm-hmm. And then they said another part of it's going to take place in, a, in an insane asylum as well. Uh, that's an original setting. Yeah, for <laughs> horror movie. I mean, I'd rather probably have a mansion if you ask me. Um, Umbrella is going to be a part of the story. They are the main antagonists mm-hmm. in the show. Um, we've watched a lot of really bad Resident Evil films over the last decade and a half. Yep. Is there anything that convinces you, maybe The Witcher, 
that this might be different. Well, I mean, I would not be shocked that if this is better than any of the than any of the Anderson films. Um, I mean, there was there were the first couple of those, I guess, were stupid fun. But after a certain point, you're like, dude, yeah, you, you gotta let it go. They're bad. Um, so I'm sure it probably might be better than that. I mean, it's interesting that it's going to be like a, f- a really distant sequel. Cause it's supposed to be like 25 years after the... 26 years after the yeah, discovery 20, of the T-virus. Yeah. So like you're going to be looking... Kind of, you know, one of the so reasons wait. I'm sure it's not in Raccoon City is because it's kind of in the aftermath of what happened in Resident Evil. Which Resident Evil debuted the T-virus? I don't remember. That's the original. Is that the, is yeah. the T-virus the, the T-virus is the, is the thing they were working on originally. Oh, yeah. uh, okay. So this is, would be set 26 years after the first after Resident the first Evil. After the first Resident Evil. So yeah. yeah. So everyone in their first Resident Evil is elderly. Yeah, we're going to get like a... They're going to be a walker. Like a Jill and Chris are in their 50s here. I mean, they literally might yeah. be. I wonder if they'll be like old people in the TV show. Maybe. Uh, so, again, what... Jill Valentine played by Sigourney Weaver is something I can get behind. <laughs> does the uh, does the overall quality of Netflix original content kind of give you hope? No, because I find that varies drastically between production team to production team. Um, and also, I think they have only recently started doing things that don't have the Netflix mid-season sag. Um, I think Stranger Things 3 was the first season of that show to figure out uh, how to... Keep it interesting g- How to get time. a story that lasts the actual number of episodes they have to fill. Um, Netflix stuff, for, for me, very, very often just is like feels like four episodes of story stretched out to eight or 13 um, the Netflix, the Marvel shows had a problem with that. Uh, the early Stranger Things stuff had a problem with that. Um, uh, House of Cards occasionally had a problem with that. Uh, I don't think The Witcher does. The Witcher actually did yeah. have a, a, a storyline that kept it rolling for the most part. Um, I think it helped, too, that the show was kind of self-contained. Yeah. And uh, they've, done, they've done better uh, recently. Um, but, again, uh, it's kind of a case-by-case thing to me. Also, like, horror is bores me easily so like i don't you know you better come up with a, another good reason for me to watch another goddamn zombie thing yeah um so i we'll mean see. we've reached the level of saturation so i mean okay so ago. if they're going off 1998 26 years later uh you know we're, we're talking about in the future for us too yeah i guess so, you're right yeah yeah i mean it could be i mean you're talking about 2024 yeah it's interesting it's funny how the timeline's kind of working out in mm-hmm. real life yeah <laughs> Because the first one came out in, what, 97 in Japan? Yeah. Or 95? Yeah, maybe it was earlier in Japan. Yeah. I want to say spring 96, I think, is when I played it in America. So I think it was earlier than that. Yeah. So it's actually, it's like following a a real timeline of of our lives. Um, I am not convinced that this is, that it'll be something worth watching. Uh, I think my big fear with this is that it's really reliant on special effects and makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, the Witcher, you could actually see with The Witcher how they smartly danced around not having to spend a ton of money on VFX. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling season two is going to have a lot more now that it's a proven yes. concept and they'll have a bigger budget. I think we might see some real monsters in season two. Of right. I think this season one of Resident Evil, though. <laughs> yeah, you're going to see some. You're going to see some zombies. You'll probably see Tyrant or yeah. Mr. X at some point. Yeah, or some some variant of that, but. Yeah, you're, it's going to be surprising to me if they really nail like. But again, like the other the other thing about setting it so late is like you're giving the T virus time to have evolved. evolved and create these weird things. I mean, what are we? You know, are we looking at a world that has it under control, or are we looking at a world where there's sections areas you can't go because they're right. infested they're by these things or whatever? Like that would be interesting to me to see kind of what you would envision the Resident Evil world looking like a quarter century after the outbreak. 
because um, that's not really something that's been addressed too hard. Uh, you wonder if they're going to take into account uh, all the, the other the games, ev- the events in seven. Yeah, you know, are they are they building off all the games, or are they that's just sort I'm of saying. taking the basic idea of Resident Evil and that doing seems that? to be the case. Maybe. Like, I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the first season of this show is a lot of exposition and character mm-hmm. development. I mean, that's pretty much what all Netflix stuff does. A lot, a lot of standing around talking, and then everybody has to stand around and talk in different configurations about the thing that just happened. And then, the, then like, one more thing happens the next episode, and then everybody has to stand around and talk about what happened with that thing. And I mean, that's like, how you stretch them out. That's pretty much that yeah. was, uh, That's pretty much how the Marvel shows went. But, yeah. uh, and it's not coincidental, I don't think, that the Marvel shows have been taken away from that team. Yeah. Daredevil um, season one was good. Season, yeah, Daredevil season one was good, but I think it did sag again. Yeah, uh, and uh, it yeah, didn't like really two thirds of the way through. Yeah, didn't really recapture my attention until the second to last episode, where you actually find out why he and Foggy are friends, which yeah. I thought was very well done. Um, I could have used that earlier in the season, so I wasn't sitting there looking at these two characters. <laughs> and be like, why do they even like each other? I don't understand what this relationship's based on. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know who's making this. It could be. Some of the early yeah, they've been- also keep in mind that Resident Evil has actually been around long enough that it is theoretically possible that the people who are in their 30s, like calling the shots on this show, are fans. They played from when it. They were yeah, kids. they actually played the so game. So, like, you know, yeah. we're, you know, we could be dealing with a Sam Raimi Spider Man situation here where finally they, they got the property in the hands of someone that knows what it should be or at least has a, a love of the material enough to kind of bring that through. I think that happened with The Witcher. Yep. Um, you know, especially with Henry Cavill, who loves. The, the books and yeah. the games and made sure that, you know, he was he was literally doing his, you know, the Witcher signs during the combat, even though they didn't, the producers didn't want to because it cost more money to have him shoot fire <laughs> or shoot or knock people away. But he's like, this is part of it and I, it has to be part That's of it. He, so does, he, yeah. he was literally adding money to the budget by, <laughs> through the fight choreography because it's like, no, he should use the Ard sign here. I love that. And um, so you never know if they pick up people that really, you know, but that's the other thing is like Resident Evil is such a disparate thing. Like what even is true to Resident Evil at this point? Like that's the hard thing. I don't thing. even know. I don't know. So I don't know. Like I, th- I think it's a giant coin flip. At this yeah, point. I, I'm. I'll put it to you this way. I'm keeping my hopes low. Yeah, <laughs> I well, set my expectations really low. That way, maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. I think overall, I, though, I think that's the way to roll with Resident Evil in general. That's probably so. a good way to put it. Actually, even the games at this point, um, depending on the types of games that you like or what you think Resident Evil should or should not be. Every game is a roll of the dice. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've generally enjoyed every single one of them. Um, I think going back to Code Veronica is a little hard now. Code Veronica is unplayable now. It, yeah, but everything else, like along the way, I've enjoyed it, and I can even go back and give it a go. And at still... the time, yeah, yeah. Like, going back would be hard for most things pre four. Yeah, yeah. That was kind of the the breaking point for the franchise. That's when the franchise went beyond kind of gorehounds like beyond me. Beyond Raccoon City. <laughs> Seriously, do you care that it's not in Raccoon City? I guess it, they no. can't. I mean, if it's twenty six years after. Yeah, imagine Raccoon City is a smoking crater. Yeah, there's, yeah. like, nothing left of it at this point yeah. worth returning to. So I guess I can see why they did it that way. I would have preferred if they said it during RE4, but that's just me. I just think everything about RE4 is far more interesting than the stuff mm-hmm. that we got in the other Resident Evil games, including Leon and the characters in it. But that does not appear that that's going to be the case. So Resident Evil on Netflix, not coming until next year. Uh, so we're probably jumping the gun a little bit talking about it. But it's slow right now, and it's interesting to discuss what uh, a serialized show might be based around this IP because we've never seen it. We've seen mm-hmm. movies. We've never seen a serialized TV show based on Resident Evil. So I'll keep my fingers crossed, but <laughs> I'm keeping my expectations in check. That's absolutely true. All right. We're going to move on. 
We're going to talk next about, well, we're going to talk about System Shock 3, but we're really going to talk about the immersive sim. Um, System Shock 3, uh, it's been tw- plus 20 plus years since System Shock 2 was released. Mm-hmm. Um, System Shock, there's a couple franchises you could you could kind of thank for creating the the, the immersive sim. God, I hate that term. Yeah, I know. So but it, but that's the way things work. I know work. what people it's what people call it, but it's like it's immersive. What fans call it doesn't it. mean anything. It doesn't like, mean anything. Every game tries to be immersive and they're not really sims. No. Like they're simming anything. Well, I think really. what they say simulation it means that you can just do things however you want instead of right. a predetermined it's, way. But to me it's it's just an action RPG. Yeah. Like that's it all is. they are. It's, like I realize they're describing a kind of permutation of the action RPG that uses a first person perspective is made by a Western developer and sort of like emphasizes choice over combat. But like immersive sim? Well, th- and people I, think Metroidvania is a dumb <laughs> name? Well, look, it gives fans a way to talk about a very mm. specific thing that they like. I mean, look at like music genres. Um, most people listen to electronic music and they either call it. EDM or techno. Mm-hmm. If you are into electronic music, there, all of that. There's a huge difference between techno and EDM. There's a huge difference between like disco house and hard house or tech house. It you create these terms so that people who really care about something can discuss it. Yeah, I but just, this in particular is kind of bled outside of fi- those groups. Yeah, I just find that um, like most of the names people come up with for like the weird subgenres of music. Are way cooler than immersive sim, like, <laughs> like shoegaze or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It just, it just, immersive sim just like makes me just like it, it. sounds like it sounds like something you have to eat. Yeah, like it sounds. It sounds like it's like the the genre equivalent of vegetables. It's just like <laughs> it's like immersive sim. That's like the thing you eat to get to dessert. But well, it's like, but it's it's just a boring name for what I think is a very uh, what I think is a very interesting and. Uh, exciting genre when it's done right i would argue that they probably should drop that name because it's doing it no favors yeah. well i've most people i think who, who don't play them have never heard it yeah don't even know right. what that is and i barely heard the term until a few years ago and that was like the way the what you actually really you call it that just call it like just call it a shock alike or something i don't know like i, <laughs> I mean that you're right first when you said action rpgs that's yeah. what they are they're action rpgs the, the rpg elements are a little deeper you have a little bit more choice in how you go mm-hmm. about things, but otherwise they're just action yeah, RPGs. There's just nothing. Uh, there's there's nothing particularly unique uh, or defining about them beyond the perspective and the fact that so many of them are like System Shock and Deus Ex to really justify that. Uh, you know, and it's the two words they use don't mean anything. Yeah, <laughs> they don't apply properly. It doesn't define anything. Well, the reason we're bringing this up is because System Shock Three, again, it's been twenty plus years since the last System Shock has been in development now for a couple years, um, mm-hmm. and we've got some pretty decent updates on the game. I mean, yeah. we're seeing a good bit of B roll here right now from it. But this week, it was announced that the entire team has been let go on System Shock 3, mm-hmm. and right now it's in hiatus, a.k.a. probably canceled. Um, and why do you think that is, Matt? I don't know. Do you think it's the team? Do you think it's the genre? Sounds like somebody lost funding. Yeah. That seemed like what it was. Maybe they were taking too long. Or somebody realized that this is probably not going to sell too well, because every time, because really the only big name in in – this subgenre now is Bethesda, and they keep bombing. Yeah, so, every one of them. And they're great games. Yeah, even though I mean, Prey's great. Dishonored, like, no great. No one cared. Nobody cares. You, there's a crew of like a million, million five people that buy these games, and they do buy all of them pretty much. Yeah. But that's not enough. When you think about the development budgets, 
It's too bad because I mean, Shodan is one of the all-time great game villains. Oh, for sure. Uh, she's she's you know she, I think a lot of modern game villains owe, owe a lot to her. Uh, you know, to the point that maybe going back and playing System Shock Two might feel like review if you've never even if you've never played it before because she's been so so influential. Yeah. Um, that's still happening. I think the the remake. It the is. Remake yeah, of that. it absolutely is. Yeah, that has not uh, not been affected by this at all. Mm. The remake of the first System Shock yeah. is still on the way. Um, do you think maybe that Warren Spector could have saved the project? Um, I don't. I don't know if Warren Spector's uh, clout is really as big as it used to be. I feel like he lost a lot of uh, with Mickey cur- currency with Epic Mickey. Even though I did like those both of those games a lot. Yeah. Um, it just felt like just a lot of stuff turned against him. Well, I think a lot of it was people looked at him as kind of the the immersive sim messiah. He kind of created the genre, to be mm-hmm. honest, like the subgenre. And I think a lot of people looked him at and, him. Him uh, and Howard Smith. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that a lot of people looked to him as like the, the torchbearer for this subgenre. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of splinters off and, you know, he has kids and he starts to look at things a little bit differently. He's a big Disney fan and the opportunity presents itself and he does it. And I think you're right. I think a lot of the people who love this subgenre maybe felt maybe a little betrayed or... Or felt like, you know what, if he's not going to do it, who is going to do it? And then Arcane did step into the void. Yeah, and- I mean, also, when, he's, when he was making Epic Mickey, like, no one was making these games. Yeah. Like, he did, he couldn't have made one of these if he wanted to. No one would have funded it. No. Yeah. And now I don't it think was, anyone was, will fund it either. So. Yeah. I mean, the days, of, that was pre-Kickstarter. Yeah. So there wasn't, wasn't really anything you could do about it. I mean, to me, that's probably where the genre is going to be headed. Mm-hmm. Kickstarter. Because there are a million people, I believe, who will... Prepay yeah. sixty or fifty dollars for or, this game, and you have fifty million dollars to build a game with. I would say the last great hope of this subgenre is Vampire. Yeah, coming masquerade. The, mas- the masquerade bloodlines, bloodlines too. too. Like that's it's kind of the other golden child of that era of the of that kind of thing. And you know the new one, as far as we know, is still coming. Made by a lot of the same people that made the original. Yeah. Um, you know has an has an interesting hook in terms of the setting and and the the vampire element is something that's different from the usual kind of cyberpunk setting that uh, these games tend to have. Um, so, you know, I could see a possible breakout potential with that if it comes out at the right time and is, is has the word of mouth. But, like, who knows? Are you even bummed that System Shock 3 is canceled? I mean, a little bit. Like, I like System Shock. I yeah. would I would have liked to have seen one with new ideas and sort of the, the lessons of the last 25 years applied to it. But, like, who knows? Maybe I should ask first if you think it's canceled. I do. I mean, I, hiatus is probably the more more accurate. I mean, you'd always rescue it with more funding somewhere, or like. But like, if the team's gone, getting every, you know, everyone's going to very quickly have to try to find new jobs, and you can't get everyone back. And like, you know, it's like getting a new team up to speed with another. It team's was sort code. of like the thing where people were saying, like, oh, you know, when the when the Netflix Marvel shows ended, and everyone's like, oh, we can still save. Derek. He's like, yeah, but all those show teams got got let go, released from their contracts. The cast was all let from the, go from their contracts. And that means they all need to find new jobs. And you're ne- you can never get that team back together nope. again because everybody's got new schedules and new uh, new new gigs. Yeah, it's like if somebody came to us and they're like, "Hey, we're going to relaunch X Play." Like, there's no, like, no way we could get that original team together Not to do the show. In hell. It's just impposible. That's, everybody's moved. Everyone's moved on. Yeah, everyone's doing other stuff, and it's the same thing with development. You can't sit around I mean, and you not couldn't have a have, job. You couldn't have done that six months after they let us go from that. Nope. Let alone years later. It's true. But like, yeah, like. like if they were going to try to save it, I think that you know they would have kept people on retainer of some, in some way. Yep. But like they didn't do that, everybody's let go, and you got to find, you got to eat. Yeah, so. I mean, how do you bring a new team in there, working with some other team's mm-hmm. code? Like you don't understand what any of their no. goals were, what they were working towards. Like none of it. 
No, it's it's. I would I say it's, it's most done. likely dead. Yeah, I I would agree. So. I know there's oh, – actually, we have a lot of immersive sim fans on Sifted, and I think that makes sense because we're a really hardcore gaming website. Um, and I feel bad for those folks because they don't get many games. They mm-hmm. don't have many opportunities to really play the genre that they love, and this was a big game for them coming up. Um, yeah, and they just don't – you know, Deus Ex didn't do too well. The the last – what was it? Uh, Mankind Divided. Mankind Divided. Uh, like, that's – it just doesn't seem to have – that genre just doesn't seem to have mainstream breakout appeal, but, like – that's why I say vampire, maybe because vampires. It's vampire. It's, it's not <laughs> you know. It, it's Deus Ex sort of set and System Shock sort of set a tone there, yeah. and it's like it's just like the cyberpunk stuff is sort of like the easiest thing to do in that regard, especially in terms of upgrading the character yeah. and like maybe that you know cyberpunk is hard to sell to something. Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, notwithstanding, cyberpunk twenty seventy seven is like one of the first times I think that genre is really going to break out into the mainstream since the Matrix. And you want to, the only reason that's happening is because it's being created by CD Projekt. CD Projekt Red. And Keanu Reeves, right? But if it was made, Keanu by... Reeves is apparently the cyberpunk trick. <laughs> like if you if you want a cyberpunk thing to do, yeah. you got to put Keanu Reeves in it. Um, but I mean, if yeah, if you look at if this game was if even Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven was made by some little indie team, mm-hmm. we would have looked at it and been like, oh damn, yeah. like wow, that team's doing something amazing. It would not be what it is. No, right it would now. it would not be the. Uh, the game of the forever, the, the or game, whatever it, it is. It would not right be the, game, the first game to be discussed online more than Fortnite for a day. Yeah. Like that's, it just wouldn't happen. So, yeah. unfortunately, the, the, you think the genre is going away, Matt. I mean, there's not much to prop think, it up at I this point. I think it'll still be around. It's just, it's not, you know, You think just, it'll be like a lot of other genres that aren't that commercially viable anymore, and it's just like stuff indie developers start somewhat, tackling? Something like that. I mean, yeah. you know, and every once in a while you get a larger, you know, like Vampire, pop, you, know, you know, Square will probably try another Deus Ex at some point. I don't know. Um, Ubisoft might make another one, one, make one someday. That'd be interesting to see. I don't think Bethesda will make another one. I don't know what else you would do with a couple of those teams, but well, I, I think mean, it's human head's gone, right? Yeah, and I think Arcane even is starting to work on other stuff across Bethesda. Yeah. They're not just focusing on their own projects anymore. And if Arcane goes, that, that's a really tough mm. blow to that genre, for sure. I mean, they are the ones that are keeping it alive almost single-handedly right now, yeah. so... I don't know, folks. I do feel bad for you guys if you're fans of this subgenre. I know that people like it, really like it, and like a lot of people will say it's my favorite genre if they're into them. But I mean, we're still probably going to get another Bioshock at some point. Yeah, I mean, do you put that in that category? Yeah, I think so. Do I mean, you? Not, not like. I mean, it's kind of a of of a light almost, like especially Bioshock One. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's no reason I don't. I think Bioshock doesn't can't be that. It, it's definitely a dis, a descendant. Yeah, he's got shock in the title for a reason. That's true. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we'll see what Bioshock Three ends up being. But. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I guess I could agree with that, but I think it's it's just a small I mean, is it part as compl- of what Bioshock is. Yeah, yeah. but is, is it as complex as like a Deus Ex? No. No. But uh, I think it's I think it's, I think it's the a same, happy medium kind of. I think it's the same species. Yeah, I'd agree with that. All right, let's move on. We're gonna talk next about. Let's see, we're gonna talk about a couple things in one topic. First of all. We're going to talk about Rod Ferguson leaving the Coalition and Gears, mm. the Gears team, Gears 5 team, to go work at Blizzard to finish Diablo 4. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Rod, his nickname inside the industry is The Closer. Yeah. 
he is known to go into troubled projects, whip the team into shape really mm-hmm. quick, and ship the game. Most notably, uh, Bioshock Infinite. Yeah, actually. Yeah. yeah, he went there pretty much just to do that. Just it's to like do a that. Ringer. And, he, and he got it out in a year. And he did. And it was yeah. that game was like, oh, that was almost canceled. Yeah, it was real close. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it was right on the fringe. And, and a lot of people complain because... It, did, it didn't end up being what was kind of marketed at first, but that's because they had to get the game done. And let's mm-hmm. be honest, Irrational was irrational. Like, they mm-hmm. just thought they could do things in the game that they weren't capable of doing. So Rod came in, was like, look, this is the stuff we're doing right. We're going to focus on this. The game won't be as long. It won't have some stuff that you guys have promised, but it'll be a good game and a fun game. Mm-hmm. And it was. Like, I really enjoyed Bioshock Infinite. I, like I, I mean, I think you can definitely tell a ton of stuff ended up on the cutting yeah, room floor. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I think it has one or two too many shootouts in the last third of it. But yeah. like, it turns into a shooter at the end. Yeah. Uh, and it, again, Rod, he's like, well, let's right. just put another shooting yeah, section in here. Yeah. Um, you know, it's better than it not existing. Yeah. But I do think like you can see the opening of Bioshock Infinite hints at a far more nuanced yeah. and thoughtful story with themes of racism and and class warfare and all this stuff that just go away i mean like, all you yeah you get it at the beginning like some of the yeah. the barkers and things like yeah. that some of those and the, the choice whether to throw the baseball at the at the guy like but then and it's you can gone see, and it just disappears and, yeah. you can, and you can see that rod must have come in and been like okay the, the the story of this game is elizabeth and you bonding over becoming becoming what you become yeah and that's what we're going to focus on that's the storyline that's the through line of the whole game Focus on that and nothing else, and get it done. Yeah, and and it got done. Yeah, like that was and it. It was and a good game. That's what it had to be. It reviewed very well. It sold very well. Um, and you can attribute that to Rod Ferguson. Mm-hmm. So then Microsoft, obviously, Cliff Blazinski decides, and he came from Epic. He came from Gears, right. from yeah. the Gears, stuff from the Gears team to do that. Yep. And uh, so obviously, with uh, Cliff Blazinski deciding that he didn't really want to be a part of it anymore, and Microsoft opening a new studio to kind of get Gears, Microsoft. Bought the IP from Epic, or did they already own the IP? They bought it. From, they bought it from Epic. They outright bought the Gears okay. IP. So he moves to work with Microsoft to mm-hmm. continue working on the IP that he had worked on for a long time. Yeah. And he had just taken like a couple-year hiatus to work on Bioshock. Um, and he cranks out a couple yeah. Gears of Wars games right on schedule. I don't know if I would say they're excellent games. They're I definitely think, good. I think Gears 5 great. comes pretty close. Yeah. I mean, I like I like them both. To be yeah. honest with you, I mean, they're both games are good. Um, I think you know, kind of the cat is out of the bag for Gears at this point, so he didn't mm-hmm. have the uh, the advantage of surprise like you had with kind of the first couple entries. It's a known quantity right now, but there's I think no... that's that's Gears' like biggest weakness right now is is frankly that it's Gears. Yeah, we know what it is. We know what it can, can be, and like if you you can't really go outside the lines too much until and without making it not Gears anymore. Yep. Um, but I'll, I'll say this: like he, it's still gears. Yeah. Like he didn't go to Microsoft and just completely flip the script and turn it into something that it's not. He, I thought he was pretty right. true to the tone and. Yeah, way, I I think gears has made the transition in that regard way better than Halo has. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, the output for gears on Xbox One, it's no comparison. No. Um. So. Kudos to him. Like, he did a good – they had to set up a brand-new studio to do mm-hmm. this. So he goes in, hires everybody, sets up everything, builds the studio, and still gets a couple excellent yep. Gears games out. Off, off the back of a series that already had four entries that 
you forget about the fourth one sometimes, but like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's not easy to follow. It's, not, it's a, not. It's a tough act to follow. Halo had the same problem, and they did not manage it nearly as well as the Coalition did. Yep. So Rod, after basically saving Gears of War and making making sure that it's still relevant for years to come, and gorgeous. Look at the faces gorgeous. in this yeah, game. Yeah, absolutely. Look at that. I know. And it's, I mean, on my base Xbox One, it looks like that. Mm -hmm. That's the crazy part. Like, the base Xbox One looks amazing still for this game. So, anyway, I'm sure Blizzard knew his reputation very well. Mm -hmm. And it appears that Diablo 4 was in deep trouble because... Just like everything else at Blizzard. Yeah, because they headhunted him and hired him away. And he's moving down here to Southern California to take over for Diablo 4. I mean, if there's one man you would want... (laughs) To, to do that. Well, I would say if there's one man that you would want to come in and finish the game, yeah, it's him. Mm-hmm. If there's one man I would want to be the creative force behind Diablo 4, he would probably not be my first choice. Who but would? But my, my, my assumption is that the people who know that very well inside Blizzard are still there. Mm-hmm. At least that's my hope. But also, like, I feel like you're, even, if you're, even this early in the project where they're talking about how it's not soon, even Blizzard soon... Um, yeah, you ha- you are you are looking down the track and being like, we need to make sure this thing comes in this decade. Basically. Yeah, and if if and I feel I don't like think Rod, Rod would it, go there if he was like, this is going to take five years. Like I just thought that's just not him. I think he's like, never worked think, on anything that long. No, but I also feel like it could be something like Blizzard's like this is going to take five six years, and maybe they talk to Rod about it. Rod's like, I can get that done for you. In th- I can name that tune in three notes. You know? <laughs> it's possible. Um, you may be right. Because part of it is like, you know, like, you know, he came in with Bioshock was a very, I think, bloated project. And I think he came in to just cut the fat off of it. Uh, In this one, I think, you know, he's he's his specialty is organization and streamlining and his, you know, and, you know, I think just about anybody who's played games for as long as he has or we have knows what Diablo should be. Yeah. And I'm and yeah. someone who's as good at organization, as good at knowing what's a waste of time and what's a valuable use of time, like as Rod can just I think he could just step into that Diablo four project and be like, All right, this is Diablo, this isn't Diablo, why are we doing this? Why aren't we doing this? This needs to be prioritized, don't worry about this. Like he can he, he can, can cut make, the fat pretty yeah, quick. Yeah, he can he can make that thing work like a well oiled machine. And he could, you know, he, and that's always, from my understanding, kind of been his specialty. Even in the old Gears games, where like Cliff was dealing with sort of the, Pie the creative in the sky ideas and the crazy and ideas, and what made it Gears inside of the this, the destroyed beauty look of everything. And, um, Rod, and was Rod, was one, Rod was the one who made sure it happened. <laughs> right. You know? Or told and, him that it can't happen because right. we have a production schedule that needs to be met. Right. And that's, I think, exactly what Blizzard needs right now. And as we talked about before, Diablo 4 needs to nail it out of the gate. You cannot have another Diablo 3 situation where you have to f- get rid of the auction house and revamp how all this stuff works and figure out by the time of the first expansion how to make it actually good. This thing needs to be good when it comes out because Blizzard is hanging by a thread in terms it is of reputation really at this point. skating on thin ice right now. So I think Rod Ferguson is a brilliant hire for that. Oh, uh, um, my, I have a feeling like within four years, he'll be running all development at Blizzard. Would not shock me at all. He will, and he won't even have to work that much at that point. He'll have disciples yeah. around him who know. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, if I were at Blizzard even on other teams, I would be in line to ask him like three key questions about my project oh, right yeah. now. Like, yeah. he, just bring him in, show him what you're working on, what your goals are, and let him just tell could, you. He could very quickly become the Blizzard MVP for just about everybody down there. I think Blizzard needs a new MVP. I think, I think it's a brilliant hire. Great and, hire, yep. And uh, and I, I mean, I do know him personally. Like, yeah, he's I, a great I, I see him and say hi to him at the whatever event I run into him. But like... 
outside of knowing him and liking him, I think his reputation is completely deserved. And and, and they, it's peerless. They honestly could not have picked a better person to, to try and solve some of their issues. Right I now. think bigger picture at Blizzard, absolutely. For sure. For Diablo 4... I mean, Diablo 4 is just sort of the most immediate problem, yeah, yeah. I think. You know? He could actually bring some of his action leanings into yeah. Diablo 4 and change it up a little bit. So yeah. I'm excited for that. I think it's, a, again, a really smart hire. And I think the implications of it could Bunk. have a ripple effect for many, yeah. many years to come. Bunk Go is correct. He is the Winston Wolf of video games. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's a good way to put it. You call him the wolf? <laughs> that's all you had to say. Uh, they call him the closer for a reason. Yep. The other side of this story is that obviously Rod left the Gears team right. at Microsoft and the body didn't even get cold <laughs> before Cliff Blazinski went on social media and was like, hey. Hey, I'll do it. Hey, I hear you, you're looking for somebody to make Gears mm-hmm. of War games. You're looking for a rabbit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you, I'm surprised that he did this because people may not even know. Like, he has a Broadway show that's like... Yeah, he won a become, Tony. He won a Tony. It's been really successful. Like, Hadestown. Yeah. If you're, if you're friends with him on social media or you just know him in general mm-hmm. and you see a lot of, like, what he's doing, he doesn't do jack with video games anymore. No, he doesn't want to. Yeah. Everything, he's, happy, he's happy. Yeah. Like, the last couple times I've seen him, he's happy. Everything he's doing in life is related to something besides video games. Yeah. His he's, last, writing, he's writing a book. He's writing yeah. his memoir. His last studio, Boss Key, I mean, all due respect to him and everyone who worked there, but it was a failure. Mm-hmm. Um, they put out kind of two games, really one yeah. game and half another. Um, one we, game I, and an idea. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I had friends working there with him, too, and, you know, they were kind of, you know, they may have moved across the country mm-hmm. to work there, and a year and a half later. I mean, look, if, he, if he's uh, willing to, like, you know, wade back into that again, like, and and contribute some ideas and be a consultant of some kind for gears. Like, I welcome that. I, you know, if if, if as long you can do a lot worse. Yeah, and as long as it doesn't ruin whatever new life he's kind of built for himself, if he feels okay doing that, I, I support that. I think that's good. What do you think it's like though for somebody to be away from the industry for a few years, particularly development, mm-hmm. and then kind of show back well, up? Yeah, here's the thing: I don't think he'd be. I don't think he'd be, like, moving to Seattle and, like, you know, working with Coalition on a day-to-day basis. I think he'd be, like, kind of a creative, creative consultant, consultant thing. I can't see him leaving where So they send him, like, drawings of guns. Yeah, and... he probably, you know, maybe he goes there and, like, works there for a couple weeks at a time or something as in consultant fashion and, like, just sort of helps shape it. Like, I don't think he – I feel like – I have a hard, hard time seeing him giving up his life in North Carolina to, to go back to Seattle and work full-time on a Gears game. Um, I would say this. He – he might bring an edge back to the franchise. Yeah, which it could use. Because I would say, yeah. like, no matter how good the graphics are or how evil the creatures look or sound, it has just kind of lost that edge to it. Mm-hmm. Like, there used to be a time where you'd boot up Gears of War and you're like, okay, batten down the hatches. Yeah. Like, and something might happen in this game that I'm going to be like, whoa. Yeah. And if you've played, uh, you know, played 4 and 5, I think 6 is about the time to bring that back. Yeah, I'd Like, agree. it feels like 5 sets you up for what could be a real barn burner of yep, a, of absolutely. a, of a, of a He would game. be the right guy to bring in for that. Yeah, and he would I think he would have some idea. You need someone who grew up on on you know heavy metal album covers and image comics yeah, to yeah. kind of step in and be like, "Hey, what if we did this?" And Cliff is exactly the person who can do that. Think about it this way too. You know, he was basically the lead developer on the first Gears that right. really kind of launched a, a Microsoft platform. Mm-hmm. Here comes Xbox Series X. He could kind of get in on the ground floor right. there and kind of set the tone for that. 
I also really like the idea because because Cliff was one of the big um, advocates of the destroyed beauty yep. uh, aesthetic. aesthetic of the original game, and I think they've moved away from that yep. over time. In part because four and five take place after the end of the wars, and they've started to rebuild, and things you know, civilization started to kind of come back. And if you could take six and sort of rip that apart again, and let Cliff sort of guide what the look of kind of almost to be able to see in real time this this, this beauty because they did make a really beautiful civilization on yeah. Sarah and you could see the remnants of it in the ruins in the first gears game and two uh, as well but like i think they nailed it the best in that regard in one and um it would be really cool with a new power new tech and everything to kind of give cliff the opportunity to sort of like Destroy that beauty in real time. Yeah. If that makes sense, you know, <laughs> like, right, like kind no. of really see they these rebuilt things. the stuff, yeah. and now that that would be like a thing I'd really be interested to see him sort of set loose on. Yeah, I can't think of anybody better to helm the next gears. Mm. I agree with you. Like, I don't think he'll give up his life. Although I don't know why he would rather live in North Carolina than Seattle, but he loves it there. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how, but I guess he's he got does. a real nice house. He does. I mean, he's going to have a real nice house no matter where he lives. Yeah, but it's going to be nicer in North Carolina. Maybe. Get more uh, for your money out there. I don't know. I mean, he does seem happy. He's been there forever. I mean, it's where his life and his friends and everything is. Yeah, I, it's I, true. I wouldn't want to leave if I were him. Yeah. Um, but you're right. You know, maybe they just need him to come in and just kind of punch up the game a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably it a could, good way to it put could it. Use a, it could use a little tooth. It yeah. could use, use more teeth. Which you never thought that that franchise would have gotten to that place. But it had no. kind of turned a little vanilla over the last entries. Great no, I, games. I agree with that. Solid on, on every front. Doesn't, yeah, it doesn't bother me. But I think, like, you could really... You could really turn a corner with it in six if you if you brought a little more little more Blazinski yep. to, to to your to your sidearm. Yep. On this, Microsoft, on the... are you listening? Yeah. Coalition, are you listening? And I just think Cliff, Cl- are you willing? Cliffy, I mean, <laughs> I just think it, the industry is better with Cliff Blazinski in it. That's true. He, I would agree with that. He has a way. People care, like it or not. People care mm-hmm. about what he says, and he has a way of stating things that I think most people can get behind and understand. Now, he does say things sometimes that piss people yeah. off. But he also acknowledges that. I think he's learned from it. And it'd be interesting to see this more mature Cliff sort of step back into that role and it all started on, his own when he, ter- on his own terms yeah. and sort of... It all started when he told me he didn't want to be called Cliffy B anymore. Yeah. That day, I'm like, that's your name, dude. I'm like, I know you probably hate it. Like, I would hate it if everybody called me Shaney, like, everywhere <laughs> I went. Like, I get it. But that's your name, bro. Like, that's what you're known as. He's like, I don't care. I mean, yeah, we all but get, then it was dude huge. They called him for a while because he started lifting weights and he, mm-hmm. he went out on a press and his like muscles were ripping out of his yeah, shirt. Yeah, he, he was pretty ripped for a while there. <laughs> it's funny. I mean, there's I, been all these phases of Cliff. Yeah, but we all get to reinvent ourselves yeah. as we see fit, and not you know some you know Cliff had to do it in front of the world. He did. You know? Like that's, he had that's no the choice. downside of fame. Yep. Um, and uh, and he you know he got he he got there. You know, he, I think he's struck a pretty good equilibrium. Like I said, last couple times I've seen him, he seemed very happy. And uh, Hades Town worked out real well for him. Everybody, uh, that, and it was funny because like I heard about the Hades Town because he was investing in it, and I went back to some of my friends, uh, some of my old associates in uh, in San Francisco who are big, you know, live theater people and have connections with Broadway. Been going to Broadway stuff for fifty some years, like these old lawyer types and stuff, and told them about this Hades Town. They're like, hey, I've never heard of Hades. I'm like, yeah, it's the Orpheus myth, but told is like the like blah, blah, blah. and then, like when I saw them again after the time, they're like, oh my god, Hades Town. It's the hot, it. like like I told you. <laughs> Cliff wouldn't Cliff wouldn't invest in something unless it had some verbs. So. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So he he's got an eye. He's got an eye. He for does. It. He does absolutely. So this I think this is all good news. It's good news for Blizzard. I think it's good news for Rod. Yeah. Welcome to SoCal. 
Great place to live. Welcome, welcome to sunny California. Yeah, exactly. A lot less rain than what you're used to. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think this is perfect for Cliff. If they would bring him in as a consultant, he could do as little or as much as he wanted to. I think he could have a huge impact on the next gears. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's just gravy all across the board. Everything for once. We have a feel-good story. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like they're too few and far between in this industry anymore. Sorry, System Shock 3. Dude. Yeah, we did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We feel, ba- we feel bad about that, but this is good. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. We're going to talk next about Anthem. Maybe the Coalition's hiring. Yeah, they probably are. I'm guessing they are. Because he'll probably take people with him down to Blizzard mm-hmm. that were you know, his ringers from the Coalition. They're probably doing a lot of hiring. Uh, we're going to talk next about Anthem, a game that we haven't talked about in like probably a year. Uh, it's been less than a year. I mean, I looked. It at came the, out a year ago. I looked at the Anthem game page today, and the last episode of our show that was tagged to the game page was like. I mean, 70. Look, we at the very least talked about it when we did the fantasy draft rundown because that was my big dog. Right, of right. The, of that was, the, that was yeah. the first pick. Right, yeah, from last year. Last year, and it was not a wise one. Turned <laughs> out, how it goes sometimes. Um, so Anthem, believe it or not, has been dragging along this entire time. Um, has not had as many updates as I think people no, had I, expected. I actually loaded it up a couple weeks, like near the end, like the last week of January. I loaded it up just to see how it was doing. Because um, I'll, do, I'll do that once in a while. I'll just load it up, fly around, and free play for a little bit, blow yeah. some stuff up. You know, like I, I think I like flying around. In that yeah, it's game. fun. And after like 10 minutes, I remember, all right, there's nothing to do in this game. <laughs> Is there still nothing to Not do? Real. Put it this way. It was the end of January, and all the Christmas de- decorations were, were still up. still there. Which felt correct uh, somehow. It felt like accurate. It's like, <laughs> like of course, <laughs> Anthem's the game that still hasn't thrown its tree out. You know? I, it's like, <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if how long that's going to stay in there. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, based I on know. the news we got this week, it may stay in there for a really <laughs> long time. Because Bio- like it's January 30th, and I'm still lighting Christmas wreaths up as, like, bonus stuff, and everything's still snowing. I'm like, oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, well, here's the thing. It's like everyone fell asleep and le- went home and just never came back to flip the switch back the other way. <laughs> well, the thing is, BioWare announced this week that it is basically bailing on its update and DLC plan. So... If you're a player of Anthem and you had counted on some updates coming to this game in the near future, I've got some bad news for you because it's not going to be happening for a long, long time. I'm stunned they just aren't pulling the plug on this. That was kind of my question. So they're completely revamping Anthem from the ground Mm -hmm. up. They said basically they're addressing your complaint, which has been everyone's complaint. There's no loop to the game. That compels you to keep playing. There's no interesting missions to take on. It's there's just, no interesting weapons. There's no like the, no. the loot is not immediate because you pick stuff up and you don't know what you got yep. until you finish the mission. And then when you finish the mission, you're like, oh, now I got to go through all my loot. I got to go through my my forge. That was a thing. really bad decision. Actually. Like it's not like you know Destiny got that right where it's like you pick up a new gun, you look in your inventory, you look at the new gun, equip the new gun, fire the new gun, it feels cool, like done. Like like that's the loop that Destiny like rides on in terms of a loot. Like you get to see your your armor. That's the other thing is like Destiny's was re- Destiny was really smart in that. Um, the stuff you equip to your character changes what the character looks like. Yeah. The armor on this doesn't ever change unless you change the skin or the whatever. But like it's you know the loot doesn't change how your character looks. The loot doesn't make your character look more badass. It's just you all look kind of the same. And it's I don't know what else I don't know what you do to fix that like without completely revamping how the entire character progression system works. But like it, there's just no there there. 
I don't know what else to say about it. Well, I mean, it. that's what they're doing. They're basically just gutting the whole game and kind of rebuilding yeah, you got to make a new game, and by the time you're done with that, like, I don't... Yeah, well, is it? So here's the thing. Wouldn't it be, at a certain point, you, wouldn't you think that it would be better served to get this team on a new project? I mean, it sold really, really well and made a ton of money on DLC. It made like $100 million in its first, what, month, I think? Yeah, I mean, it was Just really from DLC seller. crap. Like, it, it was the fifth best-selling game of the year last year. It beat some juggernauts that I had assumed that it, it got dwarfed by. So financially, it's been a pretty big success so, but that doesn't mean that you, it, you know, if people have left and they're not playing anymore, that you should just double down and keep working on that game. Like, it still might be the smart idea to start working on a sequel. Do you think there's going to be a sequel? I do. I think when you sell that much of a game, regardless of kind of the feedback you've been getting. Mm, I wouldn't want to try to sell it again. Really? That's for sure. I think, I think most of those sales came from people who, who trusted Bioware or didn't know any better. And I think if you try to sell an Anthem 2, the skepticism is going to be through the roof. It's going to be like trying to sell No Man's Sky 2, frankly. Yeah. I think they could do that, though. Because So maybe what you're saying is yeah. they need to go through this process they, of fixing they need to the revamp, game they need, Yeah, they need to revamp this thing before on the level trying. of what No Man's Sky got. Yeah, because I think... And I don't even know how you do that yeah. with this game. I like, mean, it, it, I would say there's probably going to be a No Man's Sky 2 now. I wouldn't have said that at launch, but mm-hmm. they have done such a good job kind of repairing it and repairing the I don't reputation. know if they will. I think No Man's Sky will just continue to evolve forever. It could, because it's so great at, at the stage mm-hmm. that it's at. But I think that they could release a sequel and people would give it a shot. I think theoretically, I, I don't think they'll do that, but I think they theoretically could do that. Yeah, I believe Anthem, that too. I think Anthem is poison. At this point, like, I don't know if you can revamp this into something that people would try again, um, in part because the hook of No Man's Sky is so compelling that people are willing to go back and try it again over and over again. Whereas Anthem is just destiny with jetpacks. And I don't know if that I, I don't know what you would need to do to this game to make someone reinstall it. You know what I mean? Like, I still have it installed. I still play it once in a while. Just to I just see recently it. deleted it off my hard drive. Yeah, I so I don't, I don't know what you could do for the average person who doesn't host a show about impressions of new game stuff to get them to say like oh i'll sit there and have and re-download this 100 gig thing to see if i fly around and have more things to do now like it's just feels like it feels like a lost cause and i feel like you should focus on something else but you know if if they if i mean also at the same time it's like nice to see ea stick with something i guess so i will say this though i think not just fire everybody and you kind of touched on this earlier is the, the core gameplay of this game is fun yeah and so I wonder if some people will kind of have that in the back of their mind. Like, the stuff that was kind of hard to get right was good. The stuff that seems like it should be easy to get right was terrible. Mm-hmm. Maybe people look at it that way and they're like, well, the stuff that they need to fix, they should be able to fix. I don't know. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Maybe. I have to do that sometimes sitting in this chair. <laughs> I mean, I did enjoy Anthem, to be honest with mm-hmm. you. I mean, I played it through and finished it. Um, I didn't. Did I go I back haven't. to it afterwards? No. No. Um, I never went back and played any DLC. or did, So maybe, you know, I enjoyed it at first blush. But maybe, like you said, I'm one of those people who, if they put out a sequel, I'd be like, eh, I'm good. Yeah. And I just, like, I mean, I still like flying around and stuff. But I fly around for, like, ten minutes, and I finish it, and I look at my loot, and I sort of, like, look at the, the next mission I'm supposed to do, and I just feel tired. Yeah. Like, I know it's not going to be any anything interesting. I know it's just going to be, like, a bunch of babble about like you <laughs> yeah. know sectors and towers and yeah. and humanity you know, and <laughs> the dark and the it's like you know I, 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 that might not even be this it might be that might be destiny i don't remember what any like the lore on all these games just blends together um i don't know 
It's just it, I, I was kind of I, I I don't know if there's anything you do to make like Matthias and those guys seem more interesting or, or make me invested in the in the characters again. I never really got invested in no. them in the first place, to be honest with you. The Not character really. development was terrible in this game, and there's some parts that are so good that I enjoyed so much, and then there's so many other parts that I'm just like, what were you thinking here? So I don't know. It's an interesting case study. I think this will be because. It, for a game to be that successful and then maybe never have a sequel is yeah. less doesn't happen in this industry anymore. It'd be a it'd be a hell of a, a dice talk for day. sure. I mean, right now it would be. Yeah. I would love to hear stories I, about what's happened. I feel the like scenes. I feel like no one's allowed to talk. Oh about hell no! Yet. Oh, they've signed NDAs until yeah. they're like eighty or whatever. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that part of it. But it would be a really interesting oh yeah thing to to hear like the whole team or at least the core team. That worked on this game. Yeah, I'd what love exactly? to hear like like it was like that article that came out about Final Fantasy VII a little while back, like twenty you know twenty years later, and it was just like like these like, developers just talking completely candidly about all the stuff that went down with Nintendo and all that. Like I would love to see one day uh, an article about this game. Yep, like that for sure. So do you think it? So you think they're wasting their time rebuilding this game? I think they probably. Or do you think it's I, better I, to rebuild it and then maybe? It's I a think platform. they're wasting their time. I'm not. I'm not going to say that what they're making isn't going to be good or fun, but I just. I, th- I think the ship has sailed on this game. Yeah, I mean, it's been out for a while it's been, now. It's a year. It came out a year ago. Yeah, do you February, think they, February 2nd or whatever. Do you think, think if they had made this decision, say, like last September? I think if they made the decision three years ago, it would have helped. <laughs> what if they had made it a little bit earlier, though? Like when the game was still kind of relevant. They're like, you know what? We know we screwed up. We're going to break this thing down and just rebuild it from. Maybe. I mean, I but, you know, for all we know, they did. It just takes this long to do that. Yeah, like, you know, could the, be. We are talking about a game where, like, the development team didn't really know what the game was going to be until they saw the E3 trailer. Right. Yeah. Like it's 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 yeah. nonsense. Like BioWare. And not just BioWare, like the A team at BioWare that yeah. we had waited for a game from for so long. It's really crazy. Just folk. I mean, I I guess I, I don't know who's working on this. I mean, I I heard I believe they turned it over to Austin. Yeah, it uh, seems that the way. Online stuff. Yeah. I don't know if they're the ones that would be revamping this from the ground up or they'd give it to Vancouver or whatever. Um, I doubt the core Bioware team would be doing. I think the core this. Bioware team needs to make sure Dragon Age Four is not terrible, or we are in serious trouble over here. Bioware's in serious yeah. trouble. It's probably Bioware's last chance. I would think so. I mean, it hasn't been on a great run. Let's just be honest. But, I, I never mean, thought I'd be saying that. About I mean, BioWare, the fact but. that like Bioware's future sort of rests on a Dragon Age game is very disturbing to me because I don't like that's Dragon a little Age scary. Very much, but like, some people love it though. Some do. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't get it. But like I, I never connected that much with with anything in the Dragon Age games. But yeah, I know some people that it's their favorite Bioware thing ever. I'll say this though: while looking at this footage, like it's still a pretty impressive game. Yeah. Like all the particles and everything in this game are pretty freaking amazing. The enemy designs I like, but yeah, it's just the same thing over and over. Yeah, I mean, it took me like twenty hours to get tired of it, but yeah. like it's just amazing to go back to it now, and it's just like, yep, yeah, there's nothing, nothing else here. Nothing changed. Yeah. Once it's I get my kind of, it's like uh, it's like a favorite dessert. Like once you, like, oh yeah, I really like this. I don't want to eat the whole bowl. Yeah, but yeah. like it was nice to taste it again. Well, it's like when you find a new restaurant that you love, and then you keep going back. After a while, you're like, I kind of don't want to come here anymore. Yeah. You can't even remember what the food tasted like the first time you ate it. Mm-hmm. It's pretty interesting how the human mind kind of works in that way. But. And and oh boy, is the service terrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it. All right. The game as a service is terrible. (laughs) Well, we talked about Bioshock a little earlier. Um, We talked about Bioshock Infinite a little bit earlier. 
Uh, we talked mm-hmm. about its struggles in development and how Rod Ferguson came in and bailed it out. Um, I think we're, I think we're all encouraged by a new team working on a new Bioshock mm-hmm. because Infinite. I think most people liked it, but I think probably half of the people who played it were at least a little bit disappointed in it. Yeah, I would. I would was dis- I was disappointed in it. Yeah, I, I think uh, I'm glad it got it got out. I'm glad it made it. Um, but I was disappointed that they they cut so much of the the more socially relevant uh, themes and how like you know the the sub the sub I mean I think it was originally a main plot is kind of the revolution and how the revolution in, uh, against uh, Comstock like unfolded in the various timelines um, and then they kind of just ended up being like a footnote yeah. in the final game and also like I felt like there was no real time given to the uh, the Booker Elizabeth relationship and to let it breathe. Like I felt like a lot of that ended up on the cutting room floor, and like you kind of, you 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 relied on that one scene on the beach to sort of yep. set the tone for the entire relationship between them. And I felt that originally it had to be built a little. So, I mean, it had to build the way Joel and Ellie's is yeah. in Last yeah. of Us, which take which takes his time and it took gets a whole there. game. Yeah. <laughs> um, and instead, it just sort of suddenly they're bonded, they're they're into each other, and they like each other, and the songbirds come, and we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go. Um, there was a really interesting. I can't, can't remember who did it. it was, was it Super Bunny Hop? Maybe I can't remember who did it. It was a YouTuber that did like a video that was basically all the things in the pre-release media of Bioshock Infinite that are not in the final game, and it's like a forty-minute video. Like, oh it's, yeah, it's a ton. I mean, yeah. you don't even stuff you don't even realize until you see some of those Little old trailers. Details. Like, oh, that was yeah, that's not there. That's not in there. Yeah. Um, things that would have made it a more interesting game, but I realized that you know that you, you had to get the thing out hell or high water at a certain point. And it's not like it doesn't still have a lot of cool and interesting ideas. It just feels like it's not what it could have been. Yep. Um, so it would be nice to see a Bioshock 3 that really, like, knows what it's going to be, knows what it wants to be, and, and knows how to get there in a way that Infinite never really did. Yep. Because um, Bioshock is a really cool idea, franchise and a really interesting idea just at its heart, kind of the idea of this immersive sim sort of thing that uh, that leans more on sort of body horror and social social uh, elements rather than sort of the the political aspects that tend to populate something like Deus Ex. I'll say this. So. I really cared about her playing this yeah, game. They did like, a really I good job. I really cared about her welfare. And even though, like, a lot of the cooperative Although even stuff, this, like, she doesn't look like that. Oh, I know. In the final she game. looks completely different. They, they revamped a lot of stuff about oh, yeah. her. Made her look more Disney princessy. Yep, for sure. Yeah, she, less realistic, Yeah, in all honesty. But they, even though they cut a lot of the relationship stuff with her... I still cared a lot about her in the game. Yeah, it still worked. I, I still I just, like really cared you just about. See, you can just see how it would have. There would have been a way to build it a little stronger yep. if you let let it breathe a little more. And there's a lot of you know like the the, the time rip stuff she does, like it, which kinda, was completely really butchered in the yeah, final game. It kind of originally in the, you know the early stuff uh, that they showed looked like it was going to be a really interesting like like free form element of the game, and ended up turning into like you know which power Pan up do you sequences. want her to show it to yeah. throw it to you and like kind of set. And really, like, there weren't any serious, like, cutscenes involving that aspect that you didn't already see in the previous. Like, like what you're seeing here, like, this is the main, the central use of that device in the story, really. And you saw this in this trailer way before the game came out. And, like, if you were waiting for something else as cool as this in the final yeah. game, it wasn't in there. Yeah. But, uh Yeah. Still, I enjoyed the game. It yeah. reviewed really well. It sold well it enough. It ends well. Like, like yeah. they, 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 I think they stuck the landing really well in the game, which so, is more important than a lot of like the middle content probably. Agreed. Is what people remember. The problem is the game came out 
and the franchise has just disappeared yep. ever since. Um, oh, the DLC was really good, too. It was, yeah. Really? Irrational has, like, moved on. Mm-hmm. You know, the lead developer who kind of shepherded this franchise has moved on. Yeah, the, the, the team kind of got d- dispersed. Yeah, and he's now he's working on like his own indie studio. Like this, this that this thing with the Revenge of the Jedi thing is amazing. Like that's so good. Could have been. I love that. <laughs> like this whole element of the game was overplayed in pre-release marketing, mm-hmm. and then because under, nothing like this ever happens again, and then under delivered in the g- actual game. But like that's a fa- that's a great, and I think in the final game the title's actually in French. Yeah, yeah um, it is. But like, what a it's a it's a great moment because it's like it gives you a bunch of information about what's happening but that you have to put together on your own yeah um right down to the idea that it's not our time it's not our world even beyond what we know that this is our world because that's not what that movie's called in our timeline yeah and so I, I love that kind of stuff and they just didn't do anything else with it maybe because that was one of the things that was complicating the production i believe that's exactly and i think that's probably the first thing that rod cut when mm-hmm. he went into that studio was like hey this stuff sounds cool he's but like, it's not working he's like the 15 timelines is cool but we need one yeah, yeah. <laughs> to ship this game we need one and that's it um well anyway all this time so there's been a new studio that's been working on Bioshock 3. And the studio's been around for well over a year now. Everybody, it was just kind of common knowledge in the industry that the new studio at 2K was working on the next Bioshock. Mm-hmm. And as it turns out this week, we got confirmation. Yes, in fact, they are working on the next Bioshock, except they really just started working on it. So I don't know where all that time went, what they were doing. Maybe they were doing what I was talking about earlier that Rod had to do with the Coalition, set, mm-hmm. hiring, setting up the studio, getting all the yeah. gear in there. There's a lot of pre-production. Like, you know, it takes a long time to set up something that big. Yeah. So, I mean, we're not going to see another Bioshock, my guess is, for three years. That sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. And wh- when did uh, Infinite come out? I don't remember the exact year. Um, that was 2013, I want to say. Wow. So we're already seven years we're out. Probably, we're probably looking at ten years between games. Wow. Here. That's a long time for an IP to be away. Because I do remember the, the big E3 showing uh, was the last E3 of X-Play, which was 2012. Yeah. And I think it came out well after. It came out that like the following spring, I want to say. Yep. So it's already been like seven years since yep. this came out. That game still looks great for a seven-year-old yeah, game, I would add. It's still like you can look at that. This is also, I think, 720p. Mm-hmm. It's crazy that like this game was in 720 720- And this isn't even final code. No, no. This is like the first demo that they showed, basically. I think this might be the E3 demo. I think it is, actually. Yeah. Um, Can IP survive a 10-year hiatus when it wasn't all that popular to begin with? Um, I think it can. Uh, I, I think it depends on, you know... What it is? Is Bioshock one of those? I don't know, but you've, we've seen dead what we would consider dead IPs come back and become bigger than ever. Uh, the main one on, on my mind is Street Fighter. Uh, I think Mortal Kombat did something similar. I mean, yeah. obviously, fighting games can be pretty good at that because it's easy to just pick them back up and go. Yeah. But Bioshock, I think, does have an advantage in that sense because in that Bioshock isn't a continuous story. Bioshock is each one uh, can be a completely different setting with just a kind of similar theme. Yeah. Um, so the advantage of a Bioshock 3 is that, um, A, you can do anything you want with it, and, B, you don't even have to call it Bioshock 3. 
No. Yeah. You can call Bioshock something else. Subtitle. Yeah. I, think, I have I have wanted I think it needs to be Bioshock three though. Because there are so many people does. who don't really know what it is. The only reason I would call it Bioshock three is if I'd made the mistake of putting it back in Rapture. Because mm. Bioshock Two was also in Rapture, yeah. Be, but I, I would like. I mean, I like uh, Columbia. I like what they did with this. Uh, my dream Bioshock setting for a new game would be a um, some kind of uh, Soviet communist uh, set, like like dystopia utopia thing, mm. like something like something like what we we're talking about with Columbia here, but com- communist style. So we've had a, an aerial city and a. Um, Underwater, and an underwater city. My Bioshock setting would be a uh, a Soviet communist moon base. <laughs> so we're going to outer space. Going to outer. We're going to cosmonaut <laughs> town, motherfucker. Um, that would be what I'd do. Either that or like underground, but I think that's less interesting than like a moon base or a Mars base. It's pretty remarkable watching this demo. Total recall with with like like Soviet propaganda. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. Because, like, none of this stuff was in the game. Like, the whole rail system was, like, there, but... It was there, but it was not, like... It, it wasn't used the way they it was, show it here. It was, yeah, it was just, like, a gimmick you could use during a, uh, a firefight if you wanted Yeah. To. It was not a... Here they make it seem like it's this, like, huge gameplay Yeah, element. well, I mean, I remember being in this demo and they were talking about, like, you know, how that was how you got around... Yeah. ...Columbia. Like, it, instead, it was, you know, in the final game, it was just you went a certain distance in the area and it just loaded a new section. Yep. You know, there was a, there was more talk uh, around this time of it being a seamless thing in the way Rapture was. I mean, Rapture wasn't seamless. There was loading load times when elevators, but the areas were felt more cohesive. Do you think 2K dropped the ball allowing this IP to lapse like this? Maybe. I mean, I, I don't. These games weren't like super massive. I don't think as far as wise. sales. Um, it's like five, six million. I think. I think they did let momentum go. I yeah. Mean, I think you could have built something. But I, I, I it's such an odd. But Ken Levine wanted setting. To do, Ken Levine wanted to do other stuff, and you know they, that it wasn't in the cards. It didn't seem like. I and like just, these and these game because these games sort of start over each time. It you know it, that's an intimidating prospect to have to come up with a whole new setting, whole new a bunch of ideas like. You know, the original concepts for Infinite had a lot more new ideas than what we ended up with, like the, the basic kind of character upgrade system in, in what the final release version really was just like a reskinned Bioshock 1. Um, and I don't think that was the original idea. I think they wanted to do something very different. And that's the thing. Rod basically probably came in and said, Bioshock already works. Don't reinvent the wheel. Let's just make it like this. Yeah. And, and it, you know, it's, it did still work. But, like... I think there was an element of like if you do another one of these, you're just going to start repeating yourself even more than you already have, and nobody was interested in doing that. But now, when everybody just wants to greenlight stuff that you've heard of before, Bioshock Three looks pretty good on paper. It certainly does. Um, and I would argue that the way society is today, nothing's really gone forever anymore, man. You can revive almost anything no. and get enough people behind it to make other people care. No one's ever really gone. It's true, though. As Luke Skywalker would say. <laughs> but it's true. It's, I mean, even in games, like, there have been franchises in the last, like, few months that haven't had oh, a new yeah. entry since, like, 1999. And here comes a new one. Or they're remaking the one from 1999, and then they're going to release a new one. Kind of like Sif- System Shock. Mm-hmm. So, and we saw how well that went. Yeah. And, I mean, so. obviously, in, the fi- in film, like, they're... Just rehashing oh, yeah. everything, so it just seems with pop culture anymore. Another once you've Star is Born remake, over right? Think about that. They've made that movie a lot. Yeah. So if you think about like the once you've established an IP, it's always has value now. It never mm-hmm. really goes away. Um, so 
I'm disappointed to know I'm not going to be playing in Bioshock for another three years. But at the same time, like I care more about them getting it right because there is something very special about this IP to me. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's nothing else like it in the industry. Yeah. So I mean, Bioshock Two is not all that special to me, but uh, Minerva's Den's very good. It is, it is good. I, I mean, I enjoyed Bioshock Two. I liked it's it. It's fine. I just don't. It wasn't. The first one was so groundbreaking, though, and so yeah. and you were doing things. You're like, oh my god, I can't believe this game is making me do this stuff. Like, I just think, again, we were talking about it earlier about you know you have that first shot to kind of make an impression, kind of like with mm-hmm. Gears, you know. Playing the first Gears was like mind blowing. Yeah. Playing but the also, second one was as someone who ended up having to read Atlas Shrugged and The Fountainhead in college, um, it was really nice to play a game that was mostly just a takedown of these terrible ideas that I'd been exposed to years ago, um, and I enjoyed that uh, until the end of the game when you had to fight the cover of Atlas Shrugged, which was very <laughs> strange. But and I think actually a couple of people who worked on that have kind of apologized for that. They didn't really know what else to do there, but. Um, it was a lot of fun. Like the 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 sequence, I can't remember the name of the guy. It begins with an S. It's the he's like the 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 the, the stage play guy, the the guy, the very dramatic dude. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Where you have to t- you have to kill the people he he hates and take pictures of them. Yep. And then at the end, like he, he does the big big entrance and they and they play uh, Blue Danube and you you blow all these guys away with a shotgun. Like that's one of my favorite sequences in video games. It's a period, great. Oh yeah, it's amazing. It's it's so good. There's a lot of great, great moments in it. In this entire franchise in general. Yeah. So, so again, while I'm bummed it's going to be so long in between entries, I would prefer to take the time and get it right. If I only get to play one more Bioshock before I die, I'd rather it be a great Bioshock than something that's just barfed out by some new studio. Yeah. So 2K is doing the right thing now. I wish it had been a little more proactive when they realized Irrational wasn't going to keep making these games and had formed the studio immediately instead of waiting like six years to do it. But... 2K's no, never, he's crying over spilt milk. 2K's never been known for agility. It's really. not. You're right. It's not proactive either. I mean, it's the only publisher that would deal with Rockstar. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, not many developers can get away with putting about one game every seven or eight years. Like, today's episode of Pactor Factor, he really lays out kind of the whole Rockstar saga. A lot with a lot of like insider information. Like I didn't even realize that he used to talk to Sam Hauser all the time hmm. and that they got pissed off at him because he – what did he do? He, he criticized the company for something, and then Rockstar cut him off. And he said he ta- used to talk to Sam Hauser all the time. He'd call him and ask him about, like, how viable is stuff like this? And then whenever once they got pissed off at him, like, they were just like, later. Of it. Um, but anyway, watch Pactor Factor today. If you like Rockstar and you want some insight into what happened with uh, the Hausers and Dan Hauser leaving the studio, he has, to me, the most informed take on that stuff of anyone. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Insomniac. Local L.A. guys and girls, mm. great studio, uh, made one of the best games of the year in Spider Marvel Spider-Man, um, have, have made just tons of great games, have created mm. a couple great IPs, um, some that aren't so great, but Ratchet & Clank, I think, is definitely an IP uh, res- that's worth uh, going on in the long yeah. haul. Resistance, uh, I don't know about that. I would like to see remasters. Yeah, I just, I, I just like that. to see. I was thinking about it the other day. I was I, I, there's a, there are still some games I'd like to see rescued from the PS3. Yeah, and the Resist- Resistance trilogies, some of those. Yep, made an exclusive for Xbox. Did a, a really bunch, good one that no one played. Yep, uh, did a bunch of stuff for VR, but it came out not long ago that Sony finally, after decades long relationship, decided to purchase Insomniac Games outright. When it was first announced. 
I wish I actually should have gone back and watched the old episode of Game Face to see what we predicted the sale price was. Because I can pretty much guarantee that we were both way higher than the actual sales mm-hmm. price. So the SEC filings came out yesterday from the purchase, and Sony purchased Insomniac Games for just $229 million, $100 million less than EA paid for Respawn. Hmm. Respawn, when they were purchased, had pretty much nothing. They had Titanfall. That's it. But so have you, you seen Titanfall? Yes, I, I have. I've played it. I've that, but that was the meme. That, the was, the that meme, was the meme, actually. Like, you know, the hype around. <laughs> was, they were the guys who made Call of Duty. Like the, yeah. the people, the guys and girls who made Call of Duty. Yeah, like I basically they, hired them based on what they had done in the past, yeah. not what they had done as a current studio. Yeah, the promise of of what they could deliver potentially. Yeah, exactly. Made sense. Yep. And so to discover that Insomniac sold for just two hundred and twenty nine million, when my guess is. Sony made at least that much profit off Marvel's Spider-Man alone. Oh, I wouldn't go that far. You don't think they made $200 million on Marvel's Spider-Man? Uh, I don't know. Like, Marvel's cut is not insignificant on projects like that. So maybe something else they made, but I don't know about Spider-Man. That's not that much, Matt. $229 million. It's not, but, like... I don't know. I would. I don't know if I'd go that far. Marvel's deals are very tilted in the favor of Marvel. I'm sure, and for good reason. I mean, it's their IP that made this popular. It wouldn't have done as well if it mm-hmm. were just some generic. I mean, as we saw, it wouldn't exist without. As we saw with On Sunset Overdrive, their right. other superhero games don't do as well when they don't have the IP yeah. type, which was not super dissimilar no, from Spider-Man. It really wasn't, honestly. And I think what they learned on Sunset Overdrive, yeah, helped them. I wouldn't be surprised if Sunset Overdrive helped get them getting the job. I wouldn't either. Because they're like, look what we're doing already. We're yeah. already up on the power lines, and we mm-hmm. have all this traversal stuff going on. It could have got them the project. We've got a camera that can keep up with it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, what? Well, I mean, so it doesn't sound like you're that – are you not that surprised that they sold for so little? I mean, I don't remember what I would have pred- predicted. Um, like, if I was feeling generous, I might have said more like $500 million. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, but I can't remember what I said. Like, I might have said $300 million. Um. Are you just are you surprised in general at the overall low value of development studios in general? I don't know. Like I don't know what as a publisher you are valuing them at their ability and why. to generate money. Right. Which should be but the only like, thing you're really looking at. Right, but like, you know, they they did make fuse, you know, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, they're not a gold mine. They're not infallible. Every time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. Even Resistance didn't sell. Those games didn't sell No, Resistance sell did not well. do what I think. You know, the, Resistance was part of that period where Sony was really looking for their own Halo, and Resistance didn't get it done. Killzone didn't get it done. Um, Sony still doesn't have its Halo. They still don't have a Halo. <laughs> it still doesn't I, I don't. I don't think it matters that much anymore. Yeah, I think like, that's what happened is ultimately yeah. people are like, it like doesn't matter. You know, we're not in an era where the first your flagship first-person shooter is like the, the thing that defines your platform anymore. Yeah. Thank God. Because Call of Duty is on every platform. Yeah. And if and anything, it's always going to be the default. And I think, if anything, Call of Duty is more identified with Sony. Yep. So, it gets the, usually the exclusive content first. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I, it doesn't super surprise me. Like, I guess, like that's still a lot of money. Like, I would have um, bought them for that in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Like, if I were another publisher, maybe like a Bethesda or one of these publishers that really is looking to make a splash, I would have yeah. bought. I would have outbid Sony by like at least a hundred million dollars. But then you're also wondering, you know, we don't know what the uh, the the 
what the deal was, you know, like maybe the particulars. Yeah, maybe yeah. they get a lower price, but in exchange, they they retain more creative control, or they get to keep all their officers, or they get to you know call still call the shots on how their offices run because they are they you know for a lot many many years they've been voted one of the best mid sized companies to work for in, in all of America. Uh, of any industry, just companies, not video game developers, companies. Yeah, like, yeah. And so, like, to, to preserve that company culture, like, I could see sort of like trading some value for uh, for some autonomy, a little bit, a little bit of autonomy. That makes makes sense, especially if you're Ted Price, who, you know, I think prefers to call his own shots when he can. But yeah. like, it made sense to you know to to finally sell at this point. Um, and I don't think anyone's going to be hurting for cash, even with, even at that price. I mean, it depends on how many principals they had. Yeah. I don't know how many people founded it with. Ted. I don't know. I think it was like three or four. If yeah. I remember, I did a I did a whole thing on them back on Xplay. It was a whole history of Insomniac episode once, and like I mean, to the point that I went and found a copy of Disruptor and talked to them and brought it in and talked to them about like making and how like like Ted Price was like entering the code for that into a spreadsheet on Excel and, like, trying to, like, design that that way. I mean, it's like, they didn't know what they were doing. Was, I think it was three or four people originally started Okay. It. Um, not, it was not a, a nice, huge group. That splits up pretty well. So, um, and I'm sure it's divested beyond that, but I, I don't know anything about their finances. But, I, you know, I wouldn't surprise me if they wanted to, you know, Keep Insomniac Insomniac, for lack of a better term. Not that I think Sony has a history of coming in and, like, completely changing everything, but, like... You you want to you want some kind of guarantee that you get to stay who you are. I mean, I can understand why Ted would want to sell as someone who's yeah. run a company for just five years now. I totally get why he would want to sell because having someone else have ownership takes a lot of stress off your plate. Mm-hmm. So I can't even imagine what it would be if I was just working for Sifted instead of running it and being responsible for everything it does. There are advantages that come with that. There are a lot of disadvantages that come with it too. I think he was probably at the point in his life he's like. I don't need any more of the mm-hmm. advantages. <laughs> like he, he was it. already rich. Like he didn't even really need to sell Insomniac. He was already set for well, life. He, well, and he's done it. You know, right. like they, you know, Insomniac has tried tons of different things. Like it's not like there's, there's very little. Really, They've pivoted. They yeah. haven't tried to do or attempted to do or taken their shot at or their spin on. And like, because you're right, they did indie games. They did yeah. mobile, games. mobile games. They, they did, did VR. They, did they were Facebook one of the games. Yeah, did, I mean, they yeah. have done everything. You're right. So like, I can see at that point, kind of, if you're if you're Ted or in a position like that, you're just like, I've done everything. I've done everything I wanted to do. And we've also tried to pivot. How many times? Like he, at, at a certain point, you, I, I think you probably reach the law of diminishing mm. returns, where you're like, I have pivoted this so many times. Yeah. There's probably nothing I can do at this point to make our company that much more successful. Yeah. And there's an element where there's a point where what you you probably just look at this and be like, okay, where have we thrived the most? Making Sony. exclusives for Sony. Yeah, like that's the that's relationship that works. Are. That's where their fans are. That's where yep. they've had the the greatest success. So yeah, yeah, I mean, it just makes sense. Yep. So I, I just think Sony got a great deal. Yeah. But but for I, sure. but like you like you just said, if anyone deserves a good deal on Insomniac, it's Sony. Yeah, I mean they have stuck beside each other through thick and thin. I mean, I mean when, look, they, when they they had to it. accept those resistance games for like yeah. five years. When they announced, it, I mean, to be fair, Resistance was the best launch title they've ever had on a PlayStation. That's true. Um, Again, a really low bar, but right. I mean, I, right, also, I think Resistance One has its problems as well. I think Resistance Two is probably the best game in the series, but like, yeah. Resistance One is not a perfect game by any means. But as far as Sony launch games go, it's pretty freaking great. Yeah. You know, um, I remember that was like the real draw. I mean, that was probably the best launch game of that generation for between that and Xbox. What I mean, Xbox didn't have a lot to recommend it at launch. No, either. 
A lot of shovelware. You had Cameo. You had King Kong. You had Condemned Criminal Origins. Condemned was pretty good, Condemned was pretty good. That's probably the best launch game. In hindsight, that was probably the the gem (laughs) of the Xbox launch, yeah. It really was. It's sad. But anyway, congratulations to Ted and crew. Uh, I do think that they could have got more money for their company if they had sold to someone besides Sony. But you're right. Maybe it's just the comfort of the arrangement. But if someone wants to give me $229 million, I'll... (laughs) Line right up. I'll, uh... I'll, I'll accept that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I see someone in chats talking about, like, risk mitigation. Again, like, that's yeah. something they don't have to worry about ever again. Getting sued, having to hire lawyer, all that. Mm-hmm. People don't realize all the pain in the ass stuff yeah. that goes along with running Just not a having to deal with the insurance anymore. Oh, yeah. I mean, all of it. It's just, like, let's Sony gonna, Probably going to save, save some, somebody days per year, weeks per year. Yep. Uh, so congratulations to Insomniac. And, you know, I'm, I'm complaining about the purchase price. I'm sure they're not. No, I think they're fine. <laughs> as, as Ted is surfing the Internet looking to buy his new boat. <laughs> I'm sure he does not care one bit about how much they got paid for those. He's just, he's just Gus Van Sant in the back of the Jane Saw Bobby. I told you I'm busy, Shane. Count, <laughs> count the money. Yep. All right. Let's move along. We're going to talk next about GeForce Now because – all the discussion right now is about Stadia because it's the hot new kid on the block. It's Google's mm-hmm. game streaming service. Little be known to everybody, in the background for the last five years, GeForce has been building its own game streaming service. This was announced in 2014. The problem, and the reason nobody knew about it and nobody cared was because up until recently, it was only available for, like, Shield tablets. Mm. It was, there There it is. So if you, a lot of the trailers in this, all it focuses on is Shield. Because when it first was announced, that's the only thing it was compatible with. Which is so bizarre that they would only set up a service that takes this much R&D money to run on their own proprietary hardware. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess they had high hopes for Shield misguided if you ask me but they finally discovered the error of their ways and now it is available for pc and mac and that's when everything changed everyone's like oh wait a minute this works on pc this is a game streaming service it's a big thing right oh my god g4 oh wow it's actually pretty dang good yeah i have this installed i've had this installed because i have a geforce card and i didn't even know that was on there yeah it's like i think a lot of people don't even realize that like shadow play that you can like record gameplay footage i have used that i've used it a bunch i use it all the time to capture you know games or even just desktop footage for Mm -hmm. different projects that we're working on um, but I think a lot of people don't even know that that's there because it's kind of buried in the in the menus. Mm-hmm. And so GeForce Now has been a part of that since 2014. And just now it's finally starting to get notoriety. And the thing is, it's different. It's not just another Stadia ripoff. It's trying to do things a lot differently. And the biggest differentiator between it and, in all honesty, pretty much every other streaming service is that you can play... Mm the games you already own. Pladia. So yes. it... I, I think I would have gone with Invadia. <laughs> it hooks into Steam. It hooks into Epic's game, Epic Game Store, good old games, and it goes mm. and it basically uses that API to know what your library is, and it just lets you play the games that you already own. Um, and a lot of you guys, I know you already have big Steam libraries, you could conceivably go anywhere in the world on a mobile device or on your laptop and play any game from your Steam library 
on GeForce Now. And you can do it for free. So one catch is it's only 1080p 60. It's mm. not 4K. Um, but then neither Stadia. Yeah. Right. As of right now, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much Stadia as well. The other catch is that to play for free, you can only play for one hour a day hmm. if you want to play for free. Um, if you want to play, even if you pay, and the cost is $5 per month for GeForce Now, even if you pay, you can only play for up to six hours a day. And no matter when or how much you decide to play, there could be a case where you can't play because hmm. there's there are server waiting times because they don't have the infrastructure built out like Google or mm-hmm. some of these other huge companies, although they should because, dude, their stock has just exploded mm-hmm. in the last, like, year. You know, you know what I might do instead? Play a game on my PC. Right. <laughs> Fancy that. <laughs> like, I'm, I, I'm still so far into the who gives a shit camp on this on stuff. On streaming. Like, I just, Well, I think wow. the idea is that if you have your laptop. Oh, sure. Or anything. I my mean, laptop can run most of this stuff on its own, though. I don't need yeah. it. I don't need a lot of people that. can't, though. And if I have, I guess on a tablet I couldn't, but why would I want to play that on a tablet? A lot of people have old PCs kicking around. Controller with me. That have like crappy processors that are seven years old and hardly any RAM. And it'll run this. I mean, it's all dependent on your internet connection, is Mm -hmm. what it comes down to. Um, And so for a lot of people who have some old rig sitting around that won't run anything anymore, it's now it's a console. Like that plays your old library. So. And the by all accounts, and I didn't try any like crazy like graphics intensive stuff because uh, again I had to use what I had in my Steam library. <clears throat> Most of those games I have on consoles, but everything that I played on it looked freaking amazing, um, like better than it looks on my graphics card in some cases on my mm-hmm. GTX 1080. So they definitely have the machines there, but it's literally like. It's so crazy with streaming games that you are literally just playing a PC that's sitting somewhere else. Mm-hmm. It's not like you have a PC and like a thousand people are playing off of that PC. It's one. It's one person to each PC, which is why you sometimes get left in queues when you're trying to use GeForce Now. Now, if you pay that $5 per month, you do get, do get priority in the queues. So you don't have to wait in queues as long as someone who's trying to play for free. Um. As of right now, there's 400 games supported already, which is pretty impressive. God, are they showing Marvel Heroes in this? Yeah. That game's been dead for a while. Well, this trailer's from 2015, Matt. (laughs) That's how long this has been around. Um, Yeah, so uh, 400 games available. It does not connect to Xbox Live or PlayStation Network. Um, I don't know how they could. Ever, yeah, yeah, I don't know how they could ever work that deal out. But if that were to happen, that would be huge. Um, and you need a minimum of 15 for 60 frames per second at 720p. You need 30 megabytes per second for 1080p, and there's a 90-day free trial to just give it a go if you mm-hmm. want to. Now, keep in mind, at that 90-day trial, you can only play for an hour a day, and you're going to be in queues because you're not spending the money. But 5 bucks a month for 6 hours a day, that's pretty good. If you're playing any game more than six hours a day, you probably need to check yourself. Unless you're us and you have to do it for, like, work or Or whatever. Or you should probably just buy it. (laughs) That's a good point, too. Well, that's the thing, though. With this, you can actually play the games that you have already bought and purchased, which is not the case. But I can already do that. 
I have a PC. You have a powerful PC. Yeah, but why would I have games I can't run on my existing PC in my game library? Because if I PCs can't get old, and they get out of date, and they... Right, but like what I'm saying is, like, why do I own a game that I can't run on my own PC that I need to play this through streaming? I don't know. Like, that, I don't, again, it's a solution in search of a problem. Like, it's cool. Like, I'm, I mean, I, I, these are all, all new games when this thing, this trailer was released, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I also don't think it's coincidental that, yes, no one knew about it because it wasn't a thing that was widely publicized. Obviously, NVIDIA did not hold a giant press conference to say they were going to revolutionize how games are played. Um, but well, also, Android only but also nobody noticed because no one gives a shit. Like, so, I, I don't know. Like, I, neat. Like, I might try it. Because what, what is, is it? Is, is it an app or something? Like, yeah, what, it's just built into, like, what's GeForce Experience or whatever. Right. So, yeah. I got, so I got GeForce Experience on my PC. What do I do with it? You go and you find GeForce Now, and you can okay. just start playing it. It's all built into the on GeForce my, So I, can, I have to play that on my PC? Yeah. I mean, you can play it on anything you want. You can play it on is, your... Is it on my TV? Can, is there a GeForce no. Now on my TV? No, there's no GeForce app on your TV. Well, then who gives a shit? Like, what am I, what am I playing it on, then? Oh, you can play it on anything. You can play it on, your, my TV, phone, on your phone or on a tablet. I mean, you could if oh, you... Can, so I can play it on much tinier screens than what I already have. I, well, see, I think I, the idea is that it's, like, on the go when you're not at home. Seven ninety nine a month. On that, oh, the, the, that trailer says seventy. Well, they must month. have brought the price yeah. down over time. Yeah, because no one, can, no one fucking <laughs> You're cares. Right, no one cared. <laughs> is this? I mean, is this whole streaming thing just a bunch of hogwash? Yes. Are we making something out of nothing? I think so. Yeah. I, I've said over and over, it's a solution in search of a problem. At least in this market, maybe not in a, in a market like India or China, where you don't have as much access to hardware and piracy is a bigger bigger concern. But it's a completely useless feature to me. And again, I don't care about playing video games all the time if I'm outside the house. Like, that's just not a thing I care about. I don't take long train rides. I don't take planes that have decent Wi-Fi very often. <laughs> it's just like, I, I don't... Oh, Matt, you know who this is a big deal for? Mac users. I'm a Mac user. Yeah, but you also have a PC. Yeah. A lot of people only have a Mac. And if... I would argue if you have a Mac and you don't have a PC, you're probably not that hardcore of a gamer. But the truth is, on Mac, there are yeah. not a lot of games. No, so this does you'd, you'd open be, up. You'd be surprised. Like, I'm I'm continually surprised because when I go up north or whatever to visit my family or whatever, I generally don't bring a PC. I bring my MacBook because that's my, my main computer. And I am continually surprised when I go through Steam because a lot of times I'll bring up bring, bring up Steam on my Mac because if it's, like, Christmas because it's Steam sale and whatever. I'm continually surprised at how many games actually support Mac. Like, it's it's more than you think. Well, I mean, we add games to Sifted. Every yeah. day, all day, every day, there are not that many Mac games. More than you think. The bi- I mean, uh, uh, if the you think stuff, more than you think is like more than like three percent of all games announced. It's much more than that. I like, mean, not according to our database. I can show you the data. It's, I have. I not that common. Couple, I have been surprised by how many games support Mac at this point. I mean, I would say that because I thought there was zero. No, it's, it's <laughs> been more than. There's I've, way more than that, but I've been a Mac user since. Uh, well before anyone else probably. I mean, I've been using Apple stuff since 86. So, I, you know, I went through the period where we didn't get anything. I have a I have a box as tall as this table of Mac versions of games from the <laughs> 90s that I don't think anyone owns anymore play. or can play because they're all, yeah. they're, a lot of them are System 7. Yeah. Know, right? But I'm like, I don't know. Do, does anyone need... Like, do archivists no. something? You know, but but like people <laughs> oh, save code. Like, that's I'm a saying, good point. Does anyone need, like, the, the Mac code. version yeah. of the Alien versus Predator series? So it's not gone forever. It. Yeah, so yeah. it's not gone forever. That's true. Exactly. Yeah, preservationists um, may be interested in that stuff. That's the only reason I haven't just thrown them in, in like, a, a fire. So, yeah. Because, <laughs> like, otherwise they're just taking up space. Yep. But, uh, 
Yeah, but again, like you said, if you do care about games and you have a Mac, you probably also own like some something. kind of some kind of gaming laptop or something. Um, which granted costs overall more than five dollars a month. Yeah, a but lot more. But at least you own your games and you don't have to rely on Nvidia to play them for you. Wait in a queue and you can only play six hours a day. It's like it's. I don't think that silly. there's even a storefront on GeForce no? now. You just you scroll it's all, through and it's just you've in got there. A, I think you buy everything on your other services and it just links into them and mm. lets you play them, um, which makes you wonder what GeForce is going to get out know. of it. I mean, Nvidia. it's a nice trick, but it's like I mean, also that's kind of like GeForce is just sort of like they want you to they don't want you in the ecosystem. They want you to buy their cards. That's yeah. where they make their money is when you spend a thousand dollars on their damn Titan X. Thing. Oh yeah, or when you spend your five dollars a month if yeah. you subscribe to the service or whatever. It's, that's just bonus. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure Nvidia was like, hot damn. We built this product like like eight years ago, launched it like five or six years ago. Nobody cared, and now all of a sudden, mm-hmm. here we are, like front and center on gaming podcasts and like all the news channel. Like it's pretty nuts. But I think Google just kind of kickstarted the conversation around it. And people started poking around, and Nvidia, to its credit, has worked on this all along and improved it. So um, the experience that I had playing it. Uh, my connection, I have a cable connection. It's not beastly. It's like 50 megs, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it, 1080p 60 was butter. It ran great. I had no problems with it at all. Um, again, you, What about, like, response time? Because, like, my, my... I played Cuphead, and I was shocked at how good mm-hmm. it was, man. My, my go-to is always uh, one of the Arkham games. Yeah. Because the counter window is, is narrow Very enough. Narrow. That if, yeah. if there's any real lag, you're going to miss constantly. Well, I played Cuphead... And played mm-hmm. fine. That's pretty impressive to me. Yeah. I mean, that really does rely on split second. Um, I did not play anything with like a really tight counter window, so I don't know how that would have worked. But I was able to play Cuphead, mm-hmm. no problem. I mean, they show Street Fighter in here. Yeah, so. I mean, I don't know if I'll play that, but no, <laughs> they can show it all they want, but that doesn't mean I'm going to play it. Um, but anyway, it's just another option if people are, if any of you are really con- seriously considering Stadia, uh, GeForce Now sounds like it might be a better product because. They're not kind of locking you into this storefront that may just disappear one day. Mm-hmm. It's basically encouraging you to keep buying games on the services. Yeah, that very, at least this is like more of a bonus feature than a attempt to take sixty bucks from you on a regular basis. Another advantage too, Matt, is uh, ray tracing. So mm. if you pay the the monthly charge, you get ray tracing, which means you get access to their most powerful rigs. Uh, and I will say, like, look, I have a GTX 1080. What I played on GeForce Now looked better than anything I've ever ran on well, my as soon as GTX. you bring ray tracing into the equation, yes. Yeah. So you, even if you have a rig, and it's like mine, like a 1080 is not a crappy card, no. but it's, it's kind of dated. And Mine's so, pretty dated, too. Yeah, I mean, you get an upgrade playing mm-hmm. on GeForce Now. So there is some incentive, but I agree there's not a lot. So if anyone's out there who has an old rig and has a bunch of games and would like to play them in as high fidelity as possible, it's a pretty good option. And for now, it's free to play for an hour a day if you want to. Mm-hmm. So definitely worth checking out at least. I mean, least. It's already, uh, you know, that's already an advantage over Stadia. It's like you can play for free with all the stuff you already have, just see what yeah. it's like. Yeah. Stadia won't let you do that yet. Yep. And they so, don't even know when they'll let you do that. Yep. So. It was a pleasant surprise to me. I'll put it to you that way. Like the tech impressed me. Um, Again, they don't have, like, tons of data centers everywhere like Google, but, I well, we do live in L.A. Yeah. It's kind of hard for us to gauge how network stuff is going to work living here because L.A. is always going to have good internet. I mean, it's still just sort of like – it's still, like, doubly kind of useless to me in the sense that if there's no app for my TV, 
that's really the only other place I'd want to play yeah. PC games. I hear you. And I tried to do that with Steam Link, but the or the you're only playing like turn-based stuff with yeah, Steam it was, Link. It was not. It was not very good. Yep. Okay, let's move on. We're going to talk next about the revival of Scalebound. Oh boy. You guys may not even remember what Scalebound is, but as soon as we start rolling the B-roll, you'll be like, "Oh yeah, it's that game that looked really awesome that got canceled for no freaking reason." Which, by the way, is also how we would describe Anthem if they canceled it. So be careful what you wish for. That's a good point. Uh, Scalebound was supposed to be an Xbox One exclusive uh, under development by Platinum Games. It's come out through the wash over the last couple days. (laughs) A.K.A. how to maim your dragon. Pretty much. Uh, It's come out in the wash over the last couple days that Microsoft actually owns the IP for this. So... Hmm. All this stuff is going on at Platinum right now with the Wonderful 101, and so people have had access to them, and they asked them about Scalebound. And Platinum said they would absolutely love to finish the game. The problem is Microsoft owns the IP, and it has to rely on Microsoft to reignite the project. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about that? Do you think this is something that Microsoft should do? We were talking earlier about how Microsoft is struggling to make inroads in Japan with Xbox, is this the type of game that maybe could help with that? No. No. I don't think it matters, and I don't think I care. It's over. <laughs> like, it, you mean Xbox in Japan is over? Yeah. Well, also, like, I mean, this, scale this, looks, this looks cool and all, but again, like, I'm not a giant Platinum fanboy. I think too much of their stuff just feels the same over and over again. Um, I like what this looks like. I would argue like. this does look and play different, though. You'd think, but then again, if you got your hands on it, maybe not, because it is just another dude in the headphones running around swinging a sword. Like, well, you're controlling a dragon, though. You control a guy controlling a dragon. Yeah. How much actual control you have <laughs> over the dragon. And also remember, like, apparently they had so much trouble doing that that they canceled it. So, like, yeah. I don't know how good this thing was. Well, like, they said that they ran into technical issues, right. and that's why they canceled it. Basically, the game was too ambitious for the hardware, because let's be honest, mm-hmm. Xbox One... It's pretty much a piece of crap now. It was behind the curve. It was behind the curve when it launched, and it's really ancient now. So, look, I think even Xbox One X could probably run this, and now you have Series X coming up. They could Mm -hmm. maybe port this code over to Series X. And it could just snap their fingers, and it's running at 120 frames a second. Nothing's that simple. (laughs) Uh, I'm oversimplifying, but. Couldn't. I don't think it's worth it. Like, it's not. This wasn't going to make a dent. That's the the simple truth. It might have been cool, might have been great. We don't know. Uh, it was not going to make a dent any more than any other other weird offshoot things was going to. Like I don't know what this would. game was popular, man. It did. It was tracking crazy mm-hmm. high on Sifted before it was canceled. People, everything that they put out for this, people ate it up, and I did. I was into this game. I mean, I was it'll probably be, probably be more popular than Godfall will be. But like, <laughs> that's again a low bar. I just don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't. Uh, it seems crazy that they put so much work yeah. into this game for nothing. Like, I just, it's hard for me to, even thinking about Phil Spencer. He's like, oh, the only, the only we invested th- all this money in this. How much would it cost to actually mm-hmm. put it out, have an exclusive? Well, now they don't do that anymore, apparently. Yeah, so, I guess, well. The other thing, the only thing I would think is, uh, if I were in their shoes, is I might um, try to kind of revamp it or resurrect it in conjunction with the upcoming TV series based on Dragon Riders of Pern. <laughs> like, I, I tie it in with a license and call yeah. it a name. You can even see here the frame rate. Not, oh, yeah. You'd not see, great. <laughs> you see in the previous cutscene where the dragon was, like, look, moving, like, doing facial expressions and the frame rate was tanking just doing yeah. that. I mean, like, we can see that there were technical issues with this game sure. all along. But, again... You're right. You can't just snap your fingers and suddenly it's going to run at like 5,000 no. frames a second. And I still but, feel that if it was a really good, compelling game, they would have tried to 
figure it out. So do you have a feeling that maybe Phil Spencer used tech as an excuse to cancel a game that he thought was going to be a piece of crap? Well, I don't think that's an excuse. I think it's a good reason, uh, especially if you don't think that it's going to be worth the effort to overcome the tech obstacles. Well, I'm saying he, it was an excuse because he had to give a reason to Xbox fans why they lost an exclusive without, yeah. without making it sound like we were idiots forever greenlighting this project in the first place. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, t- technically, you're probably still an idiot for greenlighting something that your hardware can't run. I mean, that seems yeah. like something you should be able to figure out pretty early in pre-production. That's just a matter of not targeting the pre- the proper goals, really. But um, I just can't think of too many games that got this far along that just disappeared and never reappeared. Well, give Beyond Good and Evil 2 some time. <laughs> it's working on it. <laughs> But again, this was different, man. Like just having your dragon yeah. and fighting other people. I mean, like, it's better than Kaiju. another Forza game. But like, yeah, like I'd rather I mean, have this than optics wise. But yeah, I mean, I'm, just I'd rather play this than another Forza game. Not Horizon, but another Forza Motorsport. Yeah, I, I, think I don't need another driving sim. Indiana, let it go. <laughs> no, Matt, I can't let it go. Like, don't turn into a Firefly fan here. Like, you gotta, you gotta move on. <laughs> Uh, well, I, look, it's not me. It's like everybody else who's not moving on. They're excited about it. Platinum mentioned it, and now everybody's reporting on it, and they're well, like, Hot Platinum damn. mentioned it and said we can't do anything about it. I don't know why everybody's excited about it. Like, it's like they've which, straight Matt, up said Microsoft won't, unless Microsoft does something, it's not going to happen, which indicates that Microsoft is not doing anything about it, which means if Microsoft did do something about it, we'd probably still be two years out. But, Matt, you know how it is. Everybody thinks that they can change things because they have a Twitter account. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way life is now. No, well, you can't. It was so like, stop. I can yell at Phil Spencer on Twitter, so he's going to do what I want. Like, everyone is delusional and they think that that's like, it's not. Like, they make their own decisions completely independent of that stuff. But I think a lot of yeah, people. No one's in the boardroom just be like, have you seen these tweets? I think. <laughs> From think maybe Joe we, Rob five four one. I think maybe we should spend another two hundred million dollars on this thing. It's like no, it's not. It's not how it works. It's just very rare for a game to be this far along, and just it was unusual. Never come out. I mean, it was it's, a shock when they did it. Yeah, absolutely. So I would like to see it. It sounds like Matt doesn't give a fly in whatever. I really don't. <laughs> uh, I I think there was a reason they killed this beyond just the tech. I, I feel like it wasn't shaping up into something it needed to be. I love dragons. I love weird dragon things. But like, you love swords. I love swords. I love shields. I love people that turn into dragons. I love hydras. I love giant monsters. But I just somehow I don't you don't lo- you don't care about this game though. It's really weird. I would have played it if it came out, but I just don't think it's ever going to come out. I don't think yeah. Microsoft, I think Microsoft's move on. Hmm. Well, I'm gonna- and I also don't think Microsoft is quite as keen to come up with a monster hunter equivalent, which I think was the point of this game to appeal to Japanese audiences. And yeah, say, yeah, for sure. Here's our monster hunter game with dragons. And I think they've sort of moved on from that idea, as we talked about earlier. And so there's not really any reason to want Scalebound on your platform at that point. Interesting. And since they own it, it's not going to end up anywhere else. Yeah, that's it. That's insane. A game to be that far along, it just, whoosh. It, I mean, it really has to say something about the game that you would have that much sunk cost and just decide to cut, cut bait at yep. that point. Something was wrong. Something yep. was wrong beyond just it didn't run at a good frame rate. You're probably That's what that says to me. Right. Okay, let's move on to our last topic of episode 199. We're going to talk about Batman, another game we've been waiting mm. for forever for, the new Batman game from... It was teased in, like, September on their Twitter, like... Yeah, they actually, that was an official tease. Yeah. I forgot about it, where they posted, like, the owl yeah. logo and everything. Yeah. What the hell is going on? Like, everyone's like, oh, it'll be at, uh, be at Gamescom, or, like, it'll be at... Uh, 
uh, Game Awards. It'll be nothing. Nothing. Never. Complete radio silence since then. Yeah. For almost six months at this point. Yeah. It's pretty insane to think about. Um, but we are started, starting to get some new details. And my guess is you know a lot more about this than I do. Um, they're uh-huh. saying that they've been holding back unveiling the new Batman uh-huh. because it is supposed to kick off some brand new chapter in the DC overall universe. Mm-hmm. Do you know anything about that? Um, well, I have a guess or two. Um, first, obviously, they're talking about whatever this thing Montreal is working on. Yeah. Um, which is almost certainly Court of Owls. Uh, I think they, I think it's supposed to be called Arkham Legacy is the rumor. Um, as, which would probably be, you know, it sounds like they're going to use it as sort of a new jumping off point for an Arkham universe of some kind. The other thing I would think is um, the DC universe just uh, in comics just went through a big revamp again. It's, uh, I can't remember what they called it, but like they did the whole Doomsday thing, Doomsday Clock thing with the with the Watchmen crossover. And then uh, they di- they're doing a, th- a new thing where like, they jump the universe forward like a bunch of years, and now like Superman and Batman are like in their fifties, and younger characters are play are those heroes. All the ca- all the heroes have been replaced by younger versions of themselves, and like all the classic heroes are older people now. Um, and that's sort of the new initiative for the comic book universe. And I would think that if they're talking about a brand new universe, to me that terminology says that like these games are going to incorporate those new ideas into how they play, which actually does line up pretty well with how Arkham Knight ended because clearly Bruce Wayne is passing yeah. the torch in some way there. Um, so having some whoever plays the new Batman in the comics be the new Batman in, Batman Le- in Arkham Legacy, which, again, that title even fits that. Like, it's like, I mean, it all pieces together there, you know. So do you think you'll be playing as a young Batman? Young, as a younger, not Bruce Wayne Batman. Not Bruce from Wayne. The new, whatever they're doing in the new comics universe because they they're going to want to have synergy on that, I think, is what they're talking about here. Is that smart, Matt? I don't think anything DC does is smart. So no, I don't. I think that's ridiculous. But like, I mean, you're basically abandoning your biggest characters. I mean, this is a whole conversation in the comic fandom as well. Like, yeah. the, the, you know, I, I know a lot of super long-term DC hardcore DC fans who think this is the dumbest thing they've ever done, and that is saying something. Especially in the last 15 years or so. Yeah, they've had some um, real missteps. There's just some people that really believe that basically, you know, Jeff Johns and uh, Dan Didio just have no idea what they're doing and are just sort of rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. And that really does seem to be what they're what they're doing at this point. Like, there's, like things have been delayed 12 months and nobody knows what this is and what that is. Um I would rather see them go completely off in crazy town and make a Batman Beyond game, like lean harder into the animated universe, which is like what the original Arkham games were, were basically continuations yeah. with a different yeah. art style of the anim- the DC animated universe stuff. Um, I think you've still got the Suicide Squad game uh, in the wings at Rocksteady. I think that's, st- I still believe that's what they're working on. Um, there's, a, there's a Suicide Squad game in there somewhere because they, <laughs> they tease the damn thing too much. Yeah. Um, maybe it's shifted into more of a Harley Quinn focus or like. Didn't that uh, movie just bomb hard? Not really. Um, oh, okay. I thought I saw that it, it, it did. It's got the lowest opening weekend of any DCEU movie so far, but it is also the lowest budget of any okay. DCEU. So it's only, the, uh, the Birds of Prey only cost $80 million. Oh, all right. Um, and it made back its budget internationally. It, it's equaled its budget in its opening weekend. It will break even at least, Make probably turn a decent profit. Um, it's fine. Uh, th- there is a little desperation in the fact that they changed the title this, after the first weekend. Yeah. Because it used to be called Birds of Prey, the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Yeah. Uh, and now it's called Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey. Which is, which what is probably been what it should have been called, called in the first place. <laughs> it also shouldn't have been rated R. That's so wrong. Um, you were so stupid. 
It's just obvious. Warner Brothers doesn't know what they're doing with this universe. It really doesn't. And the other problem that uh, is partly due to, I mean, the the real problem is because they gave it to Zack Snyder in the first place. Like, like they are, they are, they're, the big guns got screwed up, and so they can't bring them in. I mean, one of the weirdest things about Bird of Prey, Birds of Prey, is a horrible murder thing with Mr. Zaz is happening in Gotham City, and Batman is nowhere to be seen. Like, there is no way the events of of Birds of Prey would happen in Gotham City and Batman wouldn't show up. Right, yeah. It's his city. He just can't be in it, though. But he's not in it because no one's <laughs> Batman right now. Ben Affleck doesn't play Batman anymore. You can't. Do, you know, we're waiting for the Matt Reeves Batman, uh, played by Robert Pattinson. Um, Pat Bat. Pat. Um, which, but we don't know like whether that's even going to be part of the universe or right. not. So they're not right. using that yet. Um, it's just nonsense, and that's part of the problem that DC movies have right now is that every single one of them has to start from a standing stop. Like there's no momentum. Like even if Eternals. Which, by the way, is probably the least interesting property Marvel owns, period. Like, if you were to ask me what is the thing in Marvel Comics I care the least about, I would probably say The Eternals. Right. They have the, a movie coming out this November from in the MCU. Even if that movie is terrible, the inertia of the MCU's popularity and, and, and interest that people have in it will carry it to a $50 million opening weekend. Oh, yeah, one way or the for other. sure. Um, or more. Um, but DC has to earn itself every single time because even e- even looking at it has the momentum because there's no yeah there's no inertia even looking at Birds of Prey here the last DC movie to come out and granted it wasn't part of the universe but the last DC movie to come out was Joker and as much as I don't like that movie it made a billion dollars yeah and it was rated R and it came out in October so like how did that not translate in any momentum for this new one it also, which like, includes a very includes a very joke story of Joker and it, it remade two Scorsese movies like an idiot would have rewritten them but um <laughs> Joker is a terrible fucking movie, but like it you made, think it's terrible. I think it's one of the worst things I, I saw. Last I haven't year. watched it. It's yet. it it wants to be about something, but can't take a stand on what it's supposed to be. It has no real point of view, and has been told better in multiple other ways. Uh, I think the two Oscars it won are correct. The score was actually great, and Joaquin Phoenix gives 110. percent You just no one else knows what that story is about except him, so he's kind of working on his own. Uh, um, interesting, but uh, that kind of momentum sh- that, that should have built something. For, for, for DC. Yeah. And the fact that Harley Quinn is a major character in and the new movie and she's so associated the with gate. the Joker and then it just doesn't really do anything. Yeah. Um, and now you're about to see the same thing happen again with Wonder Woman 84 better be a hit or they're going to feel it will be. or you're going to start to see people start to get shaky about the Flash movie which has a really good team behind it. We might get a good Flash movie wow. people. Like that's mind-boggling. That is me. pretty mind-boggling. And meanwhile the CW, all the CW shows which I don't really watch that much but yeah. I did pay, keep an eye on the Crisis and Infinite Earth stuff. They're, they hit that stuff out of the park. They're good. Like you can do this material correctly up on a budget that like we could almost afford on the C. The CW is nothing. No, I know. But like <laughs> But like they did it, yeah. they got it done. They did crossover stuff. They brought Ezra Ezra in from the from the movies. Like everything you could possibly think of, they had the voices from the old cartoons showing up as the characters. You had uh, Brandon Routh from Superman Returns came back as older Superman. They did like, it right. They might do a Lois and Clark thing. It's a, I mean, they did it. They got it done. And like they they weren't even the movie division. So it can be done. The movies just don't know what they're doing. Meanwhile, in the games, they're just MIA. Like do you there's th- just, do you there's think just th- no DC presence in video games right now except for DC Universe Online. Do you think DC trying to emulate Marvel in that they're creating this all-encompassing sort of universe where everyone's cross-pollinating with others mm-hmm. and all the films are kind of crossing over with each other? Do you think that's a good idea? 
It was. I mean, it works for Marvel, obviously, but is it going to work for DC? There was no and re- what impact is it going to have on the games? Like, it, I would prefer that they just could make the games independent of what's going on with the films. I know that'll never happen, mm-hmm. but I think it would be better for the games if that were the case. I mean, I think the games will be independent. I think they're going to be more tied in with the comics. So you don't game, think that this new movies. Batman game, you're not going to be playing as, like, Batman Jr. and Bruce Wayne is just some figurehead? I think you will. You will. But that's how the comics are going to be now. Uh, okay. It has nothing to do with the movies. Okay. I think the movie, I think the Matt Reeves Batman movie is going to be much more back to basics. This is what Batman is. He's, you know, okay. Robert Pattinson's playing Bruce Wayne. It's going yeah. to be a younger Batman who knows what it's going to be related to. If it's going to be hooked in with the Joker movie or if it's going to be hooked in with the main DC cinematic universe stuff or if it's going to be of its own thing. It should probably be its own thing. Um, certainly, Commissioner Gordon is not the same Commissioner Gordon from the DC yeah. Cinematic Universe because he's played by a different actor who's a different color. Mm-hmm. Um, so who knows? Like, who knows what they're doing at this point? I mean, at this at this point, I think DC or Warner Brothers may have just embraced the idea that they basically have to start over every time they make one of these things. Um, and now, you know, the real test I think will be: Will Wonder Woman hit the way Wonder Woman one did? I don't see any reason why it wouldn't. It'll, I think it'll be um, close. And then, how does James Gunn's Suicide Squad? reboot sequel whatever it is do uh the the suicide squad which is not a sequel it's kind of a reboot but it's also a sequel but they recast certain characters but one of the reasons they recast is will smith didn't want to do it because he wanted to do bright two instead (laughs) i i don't know what's going on anymore people i i i'm i'm done trying to second guess this shit so uh, the so Batman games, I think you've got the Arkham Legacy thing from Montreal. I think you've got a Suicide Squad waiting in the wings. There's constant rumors of either, either a Green Lantern or a Superman game somewhere. I don't know if I believe those. But it wouldn't surprise me if after all this time they finally got a few games in the pipeline ready to fire them out one after the other, maybe in a three-year cycle or a year-and-a-half cycle or something. Because um, they could use it because there's no DC presence in video games right now other than that MMO. And the occasional Injustice game. I guess we are due for an Injustice 3. Yeah, um, we are. Yeah, it should be the next game from NetherRealm. Yeah. So, uh, and that timing might work out perfect with kind good, of this yeah. new DC stuff if kind you, of kicking if Arkham in. Legacy is further along than we think, that comes out in a decent Suicide amount of time. Suicide Squad. Yeah. You get a Suicide Squad game coming around. you got an Injustice 3. It's like, okay, you got a constant stream of... Maybe they will finally get some might. momentum. It might. They might turn the corner. Uh, in games, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I... The other thing is like that's that's one of the weaknesses Marvel has too is like we you know Marvel has no real game presence either beyond you know you had the Ultimate Alliance three which was nice but sort of a weird one off yeah and nobody really talks about it anymore even though it wasn't good I thought uh, Marvel Avengers we don't even you know supposedly September I feel like it might slip to next year like you know if, like this is the one place DC might be able to beat them to the punch um, and really kind of dominate the mind share in terms of superherodom in video games. Uh, the other place they do that is animation. DC animation yeah. has always been better than Marvel animation. Absolutely. Yep. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's 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 weird to me that it's taken so long. Because what was Arkham Knight? Twenty fifteen. It's been twenty sixteen, I think. Twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen? I think it was twenty sixteen. Because it feel, feels like it's been a long, it long is time. One or the other. I know for sure because it was. It came out like right after Sifted launched. So yeah, it should be right around in that that area. Twenty fifteen, yeah, June twenty third, twenty fifteen. So it's it's half a decade. Yeah, it was one of the first uh, games I think that I covered. Yeah, because one of our first game evals is for that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was yeah absolutely twenty fifteen. So it's been half a decade since that game, unless you count the the VR thing. Yeah, so which it's is due. nuts. It's due. But, you know, Rocksteady wanted to move on. They had to find a new studio to do it. Yeah, but you had Montreal. I mean, Montreal made Origins, which I didn't think was great, but it was wasn't, better than Arkham Knight. Yeah, it wasn't terrible, for sure. And, and I, I, think, th- I think Origins has the best story of the four. Hmm. 
I think it's the best written of the four games. I might agree with that. I don't know about the best story, though. I liked how tight the first one was, to be honest with you. I just like the first one of all of them the most because it just – it was the – Well, the first one was a big surprise, too. It was a surprise, but it was also everything kind of simmered down to an essence. Like, it was pure and clean. Mm -hmm. And then as time goes on, they start tacking stuff on. Some stuff works. Some stuff doesn't. Like, they just nailed it, the first one. I just think Origin was – I think Origin was better written moment to moment, and I liked the Christmas theme of it, and I I thought uh, the younger – more dickish Batman worked, and I thought the their the first meeting with the Joker was well done. Like it's you know that's well covered territory in the comics and a lot of like alternate you know alternate takes and other media and stuff. Um, I just thought they did that really really well in Origins, and I didn't think much. I thought Origins otherwise was fairly bleh, but like uh, my opinion of it has elevated in the wake of Arkham Knight, which I thought was the most disappointing game of this entire generation. All right, it's time for our trailer of the week, people. We have a surprise for you. For the trailer of the week. It's for a game that I think a lot of people never dreamed would get to this point. And the game is Fallout 76. Or at the very least, they thought it would get to this point a lot sooner since yes. they first announced this in E3. Yeah. Yep. Like, I thought they were talking like October. Yeah. On this I, think, you know? I think most people assume that. You're like, why else would they announce it? Let's just, right. Well, here we are. And nothing else like to announce. Like eight or nine months later. And they're finally th- – look, it's not even ready yet. Yeah. They're finally going – they're finally marketing. They're the, going to be two months away from next D 3 I know. When this goes out. I know. Yeah. So uh, Fallout 76 is finally getting single-player RPG elements. Can you, can you believe it? NPCs it's, at last. NPCs, like there's actual stats that you're going to be able to screw around with and actually build a character from. Um, it doesn't launch until April 7th, though. Uh, it's called Fallout 76 The Wastelanders, and here's the first trailer. It's been a long journey. Appalachia has changed. I don't know if you've been following the rumors, but there's something in the mountains. People from outside are coming in, and they're coming to stay. You're from one of the local vaults, right? All of my people are at risk. I'm willing to pay good money if you put an end to this for me. We ain't gonna let anyone stand in our way. Too late, Matt. For me, yes. For everybody, I mean. I, mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It's too late. Yeah. No one's gonna dive back into that now. I haven't even dived in to begin with. I mean, I, I love how they say they specifically mention, "Oh, it's free." Well, yeah, yeah better be. Yeah, I hope so. Free. Like, you... <laughs> You're gonna charge people money. You have no freaking chance. Uh, we're running short on time, so we're only gonna be able to answer answer a couple questions today. I do want to thank Slagathor for giving us some bits. Um, we have a couple people who subscribe via Twitch Prime, but I cannot read this handwriting, unfortunately. Uh, Stolty69, it looks like. Yeah. Um, one super... One super master gamer. Master gamer, thank you. And Miss... I don't even know what that one is. Where? <laughs> Mr. Sixt. Mr. Sixt. Thank you, or guys. Mr. Sixt. Okay, sure. Mr. Sixt. Thanks, everybody, for subscribing via Twitch Prime. Chevelle Man 1979 you just did it. Hype Train just hit level four. There it goes. We might hit five again. 
Getting there. Where did all these bits come from? I missed it all, apparently. Thanks, Chevelle, man. Uh, let's see if there's any others. Oh, Tomb Raiders, thank you. Oh, here's a bunch sound of Sound Wizard. Oh, Sound Wizard. You did it again, again, dude. You did it again. That's where it came from. Sound Wizard. This is three weeks in a row he's done this. Yeah. Where he's just like showered people with subs. Thank you, man. Dude, you're so awesome. Oh, my gosh. This is great. All right, let's get this. There's Hype Train. There it goes. Hype. (laughs) It's the Hype Train. I never get sick of it. It's still so invigorating (laughs) whenever it happens. Level four complete. Thank you, guys. That's freaking awesome. All right, let's try to get some questions because we are running out of time here. I never dreamed this episode would make it the whole three hours, but here we are. Um... Uh, Wolfox10JC, Matt, did you play or watch the Fantasy Star Online 2 beta? I tried to play it. I can't. I did not. Yeah, how do you get into it? I don't know. I haven't even looked. I did. I couldn't figure out how to get in Get in it. I think it's closed. I don't think you can Maybe. just jump in. I want to believe me. I will try to play anything for this show. I've been, like, scouring. I'm like, oh, that's right. There's a beta for that. Nope, can't get in. So I've been trying. Uh, Justin, I love the, the hearts over my eyes there <laughs> on that uh, emoji. It's pretty sweet. Um, from Wolfox10JC. Oh, wait. No, from Eth Demon. We have a question from Matt since it's a film question. What are you trying to say? Uh, what do you think of the future of theaters are? For as much as there was a spat blaming MCU for the death of movies, I tend to believe MCU is hiding, minimalizing uh, inev- an inevitable death anyway. Um, I think the future of theaters is the same as it always has been, which is that is where people are going to see the big movies several times a year, and uh, it's going to become increasingly difficult to put smaller and more indie movies in, unless you're talking about revival houses like the like that are owned by specific, basically specific rich people like Quentin Tarantino who owns the New Beverly here, and and you can see stuff on film there and that kind of thing. Um, but uh, the idea that Marvel is killing movies is ridiculous. It is. Like, it's like it's, if anything, you know, yes, Disney has a lot of like major IP. Uh, the trick to that is like that's not what a monopoly is. Like you, if you you owning the means of production is a monopoly. If you had to rent cameras from Disney and no one else had the means to make movies, Dude, that's a people monopoly. People throw monopoly you, around you, like like you because you know what all the only thing you have to do to break Disney's quote unquote monopoly of successful IP is come up with successful IP. Yeah, exactly. And it's not Disney's fault. Sony and Paramount and these can't other companies do can't do it. Like yeah. that's just not that's not how anything works. Cry never spilled milk. Um, Call of Duty one. Thank you for Twitch Prime. So yeah, I th- I think the theaters will continue to limp along at least until you hit a point where um uh where you can re- if I can rent the Marvel the new Marvel movie the night it comes out for like 50 bucks and have like 10 of my friends over and watch it in my home theater, I will absolutely do that instead of going yeah. to the theater. I never go to the theater anymore. But until that ever. happens, I will continue to go to the theater to see the big event pictures and that is basically what the entire industry is tent pulled on. And that's going to continue. And and but and you know, but that is not true outside of America. You know, I think that's why you're seeing so much uh, focus on the Chinese market is because the Chinese market is still more traditional theater going right now. So uh, you won't see that subside anytime soon. But in general, I think it will just kind of continue to roll on the way it has. Okay, uh, Cinetike. Is video game optimization really that hard with no payoff? Seems like most games try to push for high resolution regardless of how the well the game runs, even at the risk of performing poorly with frame drops. And considering 60 frames per second, is it just not worth it given the majority of consumers don't care about higher FPS? Thanks for all your good work. Thank you, Cinetike, for watching the show on Twitch. Uh, that is exactly the case. Like, most people don't 
care about 60 frames per second, a lot of people can't see the difference, and yeah. a lot of people don't even notice that frame rate drops. Go like, back to the, I don't know how old you are, but go back and play some of the old N64 games. If you mm. want to see what you're talking about where they're sacrificing frame rate for everything else, go play some of Rare's N64 yeah. games and watch those things grind down to like eight frames per second yeah. at certain points. I mean, it's always going to be preferable to for marketing purposes to show pretty pictures rather than smooth frame rates. Yep. That's just how, how it is. Kadaz, what is your wish list for yet-to-be-announced launch titles for the next generation? Something like uh, Horizon 2 or Fable 4? Also, any new word on when the PS5 reveal is happening? No word on PS5 reveal. It looks like GDC mid-March. Probably. I mean, there's persistent rumors that Horizon 2 might be a launch title. Um, That would be the greatest Christmas gift ever, basically, for me. I mean, I would love to play Horizon 2 this year. That would be amazing. Yep. Um, I would love to see Fable come back in some form. Cause yeah, I think he picked the two best options. Yeah, I mean, play, we, we know Playground Humphrey. Games, the other half of Playground Games that usually makes Force Horizon has been working on some kind of action RPG thing. It's hard to believe that's anything other than Fable. It would be stupid if it were anything but right. Fable, but we just saw Rare bust out a new IP out of nowhere. Yeah. Everwild, yeah. is that Never what it's know. called? Yeah. yeah, that's right. So um, we don't know. I mean, it's unpredictable, right? Yeah, I mean, we have no idea at this point, but I mean... Horizon 2 coming out this year as a launch title would be a dream come true. So here we go. Oh, we got a level 4 hype train emote. <laughs> wow. That's, what is that? like? A, that's level 5 completed. I think that's a – wow, we did it again. That's a dinosaur on roller skates or on a skateboard, I believe, that yeah, we just unlocked it's there. Tr- <laughs> it's like a triceratops <laughs> on skateboard. Not as cool as a giraffe on roller skates, but we'll take it. Um, thank you, guys. That's freaking awesome. Great work. Emotes are being delivered to the supporters. How many more can they have? It's awesome. Thank you, Sound Hmm. Wizard. You're just killing it, man. Let me send out the thanks. Oh, you got to wait, I guess, until... I don't know. It just won't let me send... Maybe because I've already thanked you guys from last week. It won't let me do it. Still Hmm. awesome, though. Um, Yeah, so I think he actually nailed the two best picks for that. Yeah. One for each platform there. Good job. Um, with Rod Ferguson going to help up head up Diablo in mind, who is some other famous game director producer you think would fit well with some other developer, even if just for one project? I'd love to put Hideo Kojima on Kingdom Hearts and just see what that turned out to be. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> My guess is it would not sell very well. <laughs> Might give some Disney execs some heart attacks here yeah. and there, but uh... yeah, I would just want to put like um, just I would want to put like hard ass developers together on the same team, like David Jaffe. Put him on a team with some other developer who's just a hard ass and like no BS kind of guy. And then just hide corners in the studio or cameras in the studio mm. in the corners, and you have a reality TV show just right there. Um, I think you could put Jaffe with just about anyone, and you're going to have fireworks because he's just that kind of guy. Like he's mm. not, he's not antagonistic. He doesn't try to like dig into people. He's just really smart and really snappy. Yeah. The other thing I think it's just sort of you know kind of I guess building sort of on what Kojima did there, but like I'd love to team up Guillermo del Toro with Double Fine. I'd like I'd like to see what, what those two mi- those minds would do. Huh? I think that I feel like that was almost that almost happened already. Maybe. I Maybe. mean, it almost happened with Kojima. Mm-hmm. I mean, he kind of did work with Kojima. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like Kojima made me think of Del Toro, and I'm like, who would I like to see work with Del Toro? And uh, I'd like to see him work with Double Fine. I'd like to see Double Fine set loose on some of his ideas. Okay, we'll answer one more because we definitely got to go. 
I realize it's not quite the same thing, but I think Tim Schafer and Guillermo del Toro would be an interesting team. Cinetic says he's 35 and 60 frames per second is much more valuable to him. Well, you are you are a rare duck, sir, <laughs> because most people don't know. Okay, here's the last one. I'd rather have a smooth frame rate as well, although I don't care that much about 60. If it's 30 and it doesn't have frame rate drops, I'm more or less fine with it. Obviously, 60 is preferable, but like, it's never hurt anything sales, and so that's never going to be prioritized. Tomb Raider is one of our mods. Uh, I'm going to New York City next month. Any recommendations of things to do? Oh, God. See a Broadway play. I would not do that. I would. <laughs> Some people would. I would not. I hate I hate musicals, so I would not do there's that. Not, there's not musicals. Yeah, they're plays, I guess. Yeah, yeah. They're just I, I saw To Kill a Mockingbird while I was see, there. I would That's see that. I would go to a play. I would not go to a musical. Yeah. yeah, okay. I said Broadway play. You did. I mean, right. you can see it. I mean, see a musical. I'm not going to stop you from seeing a musical. Go see Hades Town. Don't go see music. Go see Hades Town and yell at Cliff on Twitter about it. I mean, where do you even start? I mean, Go to Manhattan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it depends what you're interested in. Like, I mean, go I, to Times Square. I love the museums there. Oh yeah, I, I mean, yeah. it's just where do you begin? Yeah. Go to Ellis Island. I mean, get on a boat and tour the harbor. Um, walk across the Brooklyn Bridge. I mean, I could just go yeah. on and go on the, and on. Go to the Statue of Liberty. Go to the the Brooklyn Skywalk, whatever that's yep. called. Like, yep. you know, the, I've never been there, but I hear it's very cool. Eat lots of pizza. Go up to go to the new the new uh, Twin Towers that they just built. Mm-hmm. Uh, see the memorial for 9-11. Go out and hear some really good house music on Saturday night. I mean, I can just – it is just to, awesome. Go to the Roxy Hotel and go to the underground jazz bar in there. That was a, lot, yeah. that was a good time. New York's amazing. You're, you, go to Tribeca. It was right next to the Roxy. Go see the Ghostbusters Firehouse. Eat lots of pizza. Seriously, eat lots of pizza while you're there. Eh, there's better food to eat in pizza. Eat it, eat, well, try it. You know, eat New York pizza once yeah. in New York because York, that's the only place New York pizza is good. Yeah. Um, everything else is just trying to imitate it. There's so um, much good food there. I mean, it's, yeah. you can just go on and on. It's you're gonna get there, and you're gonna be like, I can't believe I asked Shane and Matt for stuff to do here. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't need us. You don't need help you at all. You just walk down the street and end up somewhere. Yeah. But I would always I would say go out at night and like become a part of New York City's nightlife for a night and be adventurous. Like go to some place maybe you don't think you want to go. Um, and Play 104. I have played at 144 hertz. I don't care. Like, it's not that big a deal to me. It really is. I play 144 hertz every day. My PC monitor is 144. Yeah, mine mine does that. I just, it's just, 60 is plenty for me. I don't care. Like, I know, like, people, if you're playing competitively, like, that's like Overwatch and that kind of thing. If you're a big shooter player, like, it does matter. But it's just, I play 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 single player cinematic stuff. 60 is more than enough. Yep. Okay, that's it for Game Face episode 199. Uh, Another reminder if you have been subscribing via Twitch Prime and you're not a patron and you're not a subscriber on Sifted, you now have access to Pactor Factor seven days early. So um, it's on our Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash siftedgames. Just clip, click on the clips link, and it's there with all, some of our old archive stuff. But every week, Pactor Factor will be uploaded there. Um, so if you want to watch it a week early, all you have to do is subscribe via Twitch Prime. Again, for people on YouTube, all that information is down below in the description. It's very easy and very fast, and we would appreciate it very much. And we're trying to help you guys out and hook you guys up because some of you guys have been subscribing for like 17 months. We finally found out a way to reward you guys. So again, Pactor Factor, now a week early on our Twitch channel if you subscribe via Twitch Prime. Uh, Next week, I can tell you right now, is not going to be Game Face 200. We're going to figure out something to do next week. Matt is not going to be here. And there's no way in hell I am doing Game Face 200 without Matt Kyle beside me. So... (laughs) It is not happening next week. It'll be 199.5 or something. We're doing a show next Tuesday. We'll be here at 1 p.m. Pacific, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be 200. Yeah, I got I got 
movies to shoot. Yep. So. And 200 will be the week after, and that's the big day. That's the big – I'm not even going to go into it. It's a big, big day, people, and I'm already excited for it. I'm already killing myself trying to get everything done, uh, but it's going to be great. So thanks to everybody who's on chat. Thanks to everyone who stuck around until the end to ask questions. I'm sorry we didn't get to – everyone's questions. I'm sorry we missed probably some Twitch Prime folks. Um, This show went longer than I really thought it was going to. I thought we'd wrap it up early and we'd have plenty of time for that stuff, but that's the way it goes sometimes. Somebody brought up DC movies and... That's all it takes. (laughs) There's half an hour gone right there. (laughs) That's right. Uh, But thanks to all you guys on the stream. Thanks to everyone who watches the archives on YouTube or on Sifted or on Patreon. We love all you guys very much. Have yourselves a great night. Game Face is up and out. (laughs) 